Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The story must be told. This story must be told. Teacher, pick me. Yes, little Brandon, she wondered. He stood up and then pulled his eyes down as hard as he could. The white goo fell down his cheeks. That's the right answer, she said. Hey there. The Story Must Be Told Season 2, coming to the Last Podcast Network January 30th at (laughs) lastpodcastnetwork.com. It's There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? To live your dump, to dump your live. Honestly, good? your voice is sounding really good. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, you, should, you should be kind of sick all the time. Oh, good. Get, yeah, yeah, yeah. We could uh, we could make that your third act is yeah. odd singer songwriter. Ooh, that sounds fun. Like Lee Von Helm when he got throat cancer. That's uh, when he was really good. The constant drinking and smoking. <laughs> all right, Marcus. We have a big announcement up top here. Should we do this? Huge announcement. Love is in the air. Big. Fat Henry Zabrowski. <laughs> He's engaged to be married. Sorry, ladies and dudes. I'm taken. Congratulations, Henry. Yeah. You proposed to Natalie last evening. So when you put the ring on the bone marrow, did you give it to her? Did Wendy deliver it to her? I was joking for a second about going to the vet and then just throwing up an x ray in that the ring was like deep in Wendy's guts. Like I was like, what's that? And then have to like, through and like find Wendy. No, I actually did. I tied it to Wendy with a ribbon. Whoa. And then uh, Natalie came in and the dog went up to her and was like, the dog found something when it was outside oh. taking shit. And what was it? It was an engagement ring. Wow. Henry Zabrowski <laughs> engaged off the market, Marcus. Off the market, totally. Wow. Yeah, I feel good. You should. You she, look good. She can't leave me now legally. She needs a team of lawyers to leave me. Right. And then she can take all of your money. <laughs> yes. And it will happen. Oh, not yet. You're still in the danger zone, my friend. Oh, yes, absolutely. This is the most volatile part of a relationship like I, I keep hearing. And I've been warned by several people who've been married already that the wedding planning section is harrowing. Good, good. Good <laughs> yeah. for you. Uh, everyone's getting married, Marcus. Everyone's getting married. All right. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks, newly yeah. engaged Henry Zabrowski. Do you feel different? 
I feel honestly, I feel really good. Yeah, I feel good. very. I mean, it feels very stable. It's oh, stabilizing. Good. It's really nice. All right, all yeah. right. Well, speaking of stabilizing and feeling good, Jim Jones at this point is making everyone feel wonderful <laughs> because they don't know the shitstorm that's about to come. Now, as we said last episode, Jim Jones was a control freak, and because people's temple was growing so fast, there just weren't enough hours in a normal human being's day to oversee it all. It's like how I feel about Oprah. <laughs> When a mom has a child and a dog and somehow also has a job. How do they do it? I don't know. I like it. <laughs> but Jim Jones was no normal human being, and he had to prove it. So instead of delegating or just being happy with what he had, Jones decided to augment his performance with drugs. Ah. I completely understand. After the last little touring jag, I, I'm, I'm getting the idea and, and loveliness of cocaine. <laughs> of just total amphetamine abuse? It's just something yeah. about feeling feeling not how I feel. Right. <laughs> I was watching the Mike Judge thing on, what was it, Cinemax? Cinemax, Marcus? yeah. It's amazing. All those old country stars full of amphetamines. Oh, my and God. And what do they do? Create amazing music. <laughs> well, yeah, Tales from the Road. Yeah. Which is pretty great. When, they, right. when What's his name? Johnny Paycheck shoots the guy in the hat. They they call- Johnny, Ch- Johnny Paycheck shoots the guy in the head because they switch hats and then for some reason that offended him. Yes, and they called Johnny Paycheck the Charles Manson of country music. But Charles Manson was the Charles Manson of country music. Give the guy some credit. Oh, Charles Manson was the Charles Manson of folk music. Oh, okay. Two very different things. All right. Well, remember, this is important to know about Jim Jones. He wasn't just an administrator. This guy had to put on multiple hours-long performances every week, sometimes multiple show- shows a day, and he had to be on point for every single show. He could not appear to be anything less than godlike. There was an afternoon show, there was an evening show, right. and then they would have meetings afterwards. And then he would also be traveling back and forth, like doing road shows. And honestly, each one's improvised. And each one is slightly different depending on the crowd, because sometimes sure. he's a little bit more socialist. Sometimes he's talking a little bit more about the Bible. Right. And so he's got to keep his head on straight. And the only thing that fucking can do that, some sweet, sweet c- <laughs> oh, I see cocaine. Yeah. No, it was it, not cocaine. He was not a cocaine guy. No. He was just amphetamine. He was like uh, Benny's, uh, uh, Yellow Jackets. Yeah, buzzers. <laughs> I feel like there were more amphetamines in the 70s and 60s, weren't there? Yeah, well, yeah, you could just get prescribed these amphetamines. Yeah, uh, these were from a doctor, kind of like now, where it's like the with the opioid know, crisis, yeah. where it's like it, it's, a, it's a drug that's okay because I went to a doctor to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, everyone's dying. But opioids aren't creating the greatest art, though, are they? No, amphetamines they're nothing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and Jim Jones, like, when he was improvising these entire sermons, he just come up with this, like, wacky shit. Like, one time uh, he said something like, the only toothpaste that's going to cover you in a nuclear war is Philip's toothpaste. Really? (laughs) obsessed with just randomly being like, I'm having a vision. I'm having a vision that... One of you will fall off of a bicycle if we all don't switch to crest. And then there's like, and that that is real, where he lost his mind. Yeah. Okay. Great marketer, though. Oh yeah, man. And his people worked just as hard as he did. A lot of times bragging about how little they'd slept, and since they were in a socialist society, Mm. how hard they worked was pretty much the only status symbol they could have by design. Socialism doesn't sound fun. No, not thrilling. It, it sounds like it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Capitalism is nice because I can have an Uber drive me to a place where then I can have my phone send me fresh direct. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the nice thing about capitalism or socialism, rather, I'm so tall, uh, I always have to grab uh, things off the top shelf at the supermarket. In socialism, there is nothing on the top shelf. Well, you're, <laughs> so it's all fine. You are a human ladder. Yes. You literally have to be used and also as a land bridge. 
bridge. If there's a big wide <laughs> creek, you have to lie completely across it with your hands and your feet on either side. I understand my role. Well, Jim Jones worked harder than any of these guys, so he turned to amphetamines. As we know, Jim Jones was a naturally paranoid person. What we also know is that speedy shit can turn an already paranoid person mm. into an absolute monster. Right. Well, the, uh, Bill Cosby said that, R.I.P. <laughs> Bill Cosby said that in one of his famous bits, it was like well, about speed, where he, where he was at, the, the only time he ever cursed in, in one of his stand-up specials, where he turned to the guy, he was like, I don't understand. It's like, oh, sorry. I don't get what is the deal with doing cocaine. And he's right. like, well, cocaine, it amplifies your personality. And Bill Cosby, the joke is, well, what if you're an asshole? Which is really funny, which is true, though. It's like, how many times have you been the only sober person in a room of people who uh, people are gacked out? Mm-hmm. It's fucking awful. Well, let me, let me, <laughs> the time I'm the only so- sober person in a room full of people gacked out, let me just... It never happened. <laughs> that has never happened. I don't know who that sad sap is, but I would never want to be them. Ever. What's well, also, he's running every single part of the ministry. Mm, he, is, right. he is organizing fucking the buses. He is getting people, he's going back and forth across, the, dealing with the nursing homes. He's dealing with his own the facilities in Mendocino. He's trying to s- g- arrange all the road trips. Right. So he's got a lot of shit going on. Yeah, and he's even going down to like administrative work. Like his administrative work was actually fantastic. They said that Jim mm. Jones, uh, what he did is he had a knack for putting people in the right place. Mm. Like there's this guy, uh, Tim Carter, that you know was one of the uh, biggest uh, sources we have for like what went on in Jonestown like he was like an a higher up worker bee but he came in and Jim Jones said alright you're in charge of putting together all the buses you're in charge right. of getting everybody there on time you're in charge of all the timetables he's like I don't know how to fucking do so, this but then once he started doing it he found he had a knack for organization and he was fantastic at it and hmm. he said that like Jim Jones and that was another way that Jim Jones bound his followers to him uh, was that he had a knack for helping them do shit they didn't even know they knew how to do. How many institutions is Jim Jones running at this point? Uh, at this point right here, uh, he's got his traveling road show. He's got Ukiah. He's uh, not quite starting to franchise yet, uh, but he's also, he's got nursing homes. They've got a laundromat. They've got wow. a, they've got secondhand stores. Uh, and the restaurant. And they do a bunch they have of- a restaurant? Pre- yeah. The that's- free restaurant. The soup kitchen. Ah, uh, yes. So it's not as bad as it, but it, it's still, it costs a lot money of to put yeah. cameras in those toilets. Like, <laughs> oh, like you sure. have to Chuck Berry it. Well, starting in like 1971, uh, Jim Jones would have to take speed to keep him going, but when it was time to sleep, right. he had to take something for that as well, so he took quaaludes to bring him back down. And all that back and forth, of course, made old Jimmy's eyes pretty red, and therein lies the mystery of the sunglasses. What is that? His eyes were constantly red, so he had to constantly wear the sunglasses to hide the, his eyes from his followers so he didn't look like a drug-addled asshole. And not, oh. like, normal red. Not like you slept on your face red. Like, <laughs> crimson. He looked like Vlad the Impaler. It was very uh, disconcerting to be around him. Yeah. So and he'd be constantly tearing. Mm-hmm. He said that he was, it's like, imagine, it's like a man who looks like a human vampire bat who's also <laughs> constantly crying. Right. He'd be like, put a bandana on, do something else. Yeah. yeah, and he'd always he'd already been playing with the idea of the sunglasses. He kind of went on and off because sunglasses, something like that, like an accessory, uh, helps to set you apart from your followers. Also, it has the I, I think a very interesting psychological effect is that sunglasses are reflective surfaces. So when you look 
at Jim Jones in the eyes, you're literally only seeing your face. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's like you're beginning to associate him with you. What the cult leaders, the constant goal is, is to make you one with my own mind. And right. also we have a positive connotation to our own face and name. Mm-hmm. So as you, as you, the longer you spend looking at your own face, the more you fall in love with the person that reminds you of yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, powerful stuff. Very much so. Uh, but when the drugs came, the sunglasses went on almost permanently. But Jim Jones' mm. excuse for wearing the sunglasses all the time was he said that he had reached a holy state so powerful that if he were to actually look upon a person with his unfettered gaze, they would be burned by the godlike energy emanating from his eyes. He was like Cyclops from the X-Men, but instead of flames, just total amphetamines <laughs> yes. flying from his eyes into the audience's face. I also do think that he believed that. Yeah. I think that when I think you're so. on that many amphetamines, means you have a lot of big ideas about yourself. Right. And he it was true that Jim Jones was extremely busy. In the early 70s the coffers of People's Temple were large enough that they were able to buy a whole fleet of old decommissioned Greyhound buses. Is that a humble brag? I think that in the end it's still just a bunch of old stinky buses. Can you imagine how a decommissioned Greyhound bus from the 60s? These were the 50s. They were decommissioned in the 50s. That is me eating potato poops <laughs> all over that Greyhound bus. Just filling the pipes, just absolutely Ugh. log jam with it. They don't decommission a Greyhound bus unless seven infants have to die Yes, on a Greyhound bus without <laughs> taking it out of circulation. I was on one Greyhound bus, and I'm fairly certain whoever did whatever they did in the bathroom decommissioned that Greyhound bus. It was disgusting. <laughs> and these buses only got more disgusting as the People's Temple used them because they used these buses to take road trips because when Jim Jones showed up in town, it wouldn't do for him to perform to an audience of just like 100 or 200. Right. They brought like three, 400 people, and in order to do that, they they would jam, like, I think they were, like, 50-person capacity buses. Okay. So they would jam 70 people into these buses. They would have people in the seats, people on the aisles. they put the kids up in the luggage racks. And since they had to get, you know, and since they, right. of course, like, couldn't stop at a hotel or anything like that, they had two drivers working on shifts. So while one driver was behind the wheel, the other driver would be on a mattress in the luggage compartment. Ooh. And the craziest thing is one of the drivers was Chris Farley from Billy Madison. <laughs> he ate everybody's lunch. I mean, they were starters. Little field trip. <laughs> um, also, when you're socialist, you begin to form grooves in your hips that allow you to be stackable. Oh, that's an important factor. Yes, oh. you can always stack five socialists high. Well, that's kind of fun. Well, on these road shows, Jones upped his healing game. Instead of using plants, he started forcing unwitting people to be a part of the cancer scam. He'd still call someone out from the crowd, tell them they had cancer, and he'd still use chicken guts. But instead of having them go to the other room, he'd have one of the people's temple members go out into the audience dressed as a nurse. Hey, I'm a nurse. Hey, I'm a nurse. You got fucking cancer. Get up, buddy. I don't know. How Did you know you had cancer? Get the hell up. I don't have. You got a raspy voice. You some kind of leave on help? Come no, on, I, get up. You fucking throw. You got a beautiful voice. Thank you. I, you ever done radio? Do you podcast? Do I have cancer? You got cancer. Oh, Come on, right. get the fuck up. Jones would yell and cast out the cancer and such, and at just the right moment, the nurse would somehow slide the chicken guts Ugh. into the audience member's mouth, who would then spit it back out again. You just, say it's like sleight of hand, but you know it's just been like, get this in your fucking mouth. Yeah. Come on, shut up, shut up. The Lord wants this for you. The world's saddest Kentucky fried chicken. That is so disgusting. Yeah, and they called this 
passing a growth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I could see God. it. That's what the doctor said when I was born. <laughs> Mrs. Kissel, you did pass a growth. Unfortunately, when we originally looked at the x-rays, we assumed a watermelon-sized tumor had fused its way to a spine, but apparently... It's a child. It's a child. <laughs> and if anyone got too close to the growth after it had already been spit out, because they didn't want anyone looking at this, because if you got close enough, it was obviously just chicken guts. Right. Whoever it was that was around, whatever People's Temple member that was around, had to gobble it up before people could get a look at it. God. Oh, yeah, Mr. Jones, I'll do it. Sure yeah. thing, Johnny Garbage. <laughs> Best off and log butter, it's all mad stinky, it falls on the ground. That's all right, get away from me, Johnny Garbage, we all hate you. Oh. You got one service, that's why you're part of a social society, we're giving you a purpose. That's a, that's a big purpose, gobbling up the chicken guts in a socialist society, big time stuff. But people believe this shit, and when people believe... They give money. Oh. And Jim Jones had plenty of ways for them to give it to him. We're not talking a richy, uh, a rich congregation here either. Very no. impoverished. It's, you got a nickel most and dime them. Right? The whole yeah. point yeah. is doing like hitting them a little Ooh. bit at a time. Mm-hmm. That's what I do in, in Atlantic City with my slot machines. <laughs> nickel and dime, baby. The most popular merch at the Jim Jones table was portraits. Oh. People could buy a picture of Jim Jones for five bucks, and with that picture in their possession, Jones would be able to protect them afar from illness, accident. Accident or assault, and the more you bought, the more you were protected. It was like those get out of, get out of jail free cards you get if your family members with a cop. Oh, oh yeah, but it's with a, a man that will fuck your wife and your son. Oh, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> one boy told a story about him laying a picture on the body of a dead bird, and suddenly the bird sprung back to life. Cool, all through the power of Jim Jones. Just I, a picture of him, huh? Yeah. That's it. I don't think it's real. I mean, I don't mean to. I don't mean to toss a nano on it, but here's my nano card. Might it, be. And it was a creepy picture too. He, he, what, what did you say the picture looked like? Because someone found a card and posted it online. He looks like he obviously. I said last time, last episode, I said he looks like Sam the Eagle, which yeah. he does. He's got his, but also he sort of looks like. Like Tom Cruise in disguise trying to go to the mall. Like he's just covered <laughs> with prosthetics. He's got a yeah. big old monstrous head. Huge. He really does. He looks like if Tony Clifton fucked George Jones. He looks like, yes. It, it is like this, yes. it's such a square, almost like a, a like the old man from Up if yeah. he was young. <laughs> now, while it may not seem like five bucks a pop for these pictures wouldn't amount to much, People's Temple would sometimes sell up to six hundred in a single service. Wow. That's about three thousand dollars per service, and every bit of that tax free. Can uh. we start doing this? What have I just said? And I and I honestly don't think it's a lie mm-hmm. that if you take a picture of me and you leave it in a jar in the morning, uh-huh. sometimes. Nugs just appear overnight, <laughs> and the nug gnomes come, and they're just like, <laughs> "Oh fuck! Did we did we drop the nugs like we were supposed to last night in that right. fucking jar? Did we? Yeah, we did. I don't think we did, bro. <laughs> we smoked all of them." <laughs> But while Jones was raking in the money, his followers were living true socialist oh. lifestyles back in Redwood Valley. And the funny thing was, a lot of the people who joined didn't actually know they were joining a socialist group. That talk was mm. saved until after they've moved, they'd moved in. Before you moved in, it had all been equality and doing good for others, and you right. think that's the sort of community that you're joining. But sure. after you join, 
you're living in a shack with 12 other people. Yeah, it's like the well, idea of doing charity in L.A. where people assume it's like, oh, well, then you go and you get mimosas and then you go and you, <laughs> I, I have an old sweater I don't like and so I'm dropping <laughs> off right. at the shelter. But then you show up and it's a bunch of people like, we're all sharing a bar of soap. <laughs> it's Sonia's turn on the toilet this weekend and she gets it all weekend because she didn't get it for a month. Right. <laughs> Twelve strangers living in a shack. One comes up with a pro wrestling character called The Miz. And I watched The Miz last night, WWE Raw. In Barclays Center, The Miz, new intercontinental champion, beating Roman Reigns. A lot can happen with 12 people in a shack. <laughs> Does that really connect? I don't know. Yeah, it's no. like the real world, but with no cameras and ultimate sadness. I think you were just trying to work in a way to tell everyone that you went to Raw 25 last night. Pretty cool. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty I cool. Saw I Instagrammed the stories. I so. saw that. Yes, your Insta stories, the flurry and the blurriness of them look like <laughs> as if my mentally handicapped cousin got a hold of a cell phone <laughs> and started because he loved wrestling. Yes, yes. He was my cameraman. Um, but a part of this is, is the reason why they didn't know is because again remember Jim Jones used to mix up the message wherever he was mm, yeah. so he'd tell you whatever it is that you wanted to hear that you'd get out of the people's right. temple and then you just show up and I gotta say it's gotta be a hard ass surprise a socialist surprise is the hardest <laughs> surprise were some people surprised by the religious aspect were some people brought in by the socialist yes. aspect and be like why the hell is he talking about God now well that was uh, mixed in with the uh, public sermons because in the private sermons he mostly talked about socialism uh, because those private sermons, uh, the ones that were for the People's Temple members, right. those were locked door affairs. And they actually had security at the door to make sure that there were no non-People's Temple members coming in. But that's where he got to God, right? That, so it was God in private and it, public? No, 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 no. Oh, it was God, the opposite. Oh, it was, God, it was okay. God in public and then it was socialism oh, in private. Okay. It was God and equality. Uh, and, but as we'll see later on, he did try going for the socialism in public a couple times, but it did not work. It okay. doesn't mix, even though but the thing is that socialists are like way more down to play ball. Yeah. They understand a little bit more, oh, we kind of got to lie about the God shit to build our numbers. And in the end, we're going to serve the community. Yeah. We're going to serve the human race. So who gives a shit if he's talking about God? Yeah. But the problem is that God people don't feel the same way. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> socialists are the only political party that lie about believing in God. <laughs> it's the only one. No, no. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay? Because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full 
tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothes, what we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into giraffe rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses. Take pictures of the horses. Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse. Ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do of another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Oh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer, it's of course I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and you might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babbel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right. Because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
Now these camps, they weren't like Om Shinrikyo camps or anything. Like oh. they're not being like forced to wear diapers and being beat with reeds and things oh. like that. Less, like, no cabbage, no cabbage no ca- to be found. Not a ca- not a cabbage society Thank because God. actually I think they might not have been able to afford cabbage. Uh. <laughs> cabbage, you be swear, that's up to five cents a head. Wow. All right, you got it. Okay. You could pull, peel off some leaves uh-huh. if you see a lazy marketeer. Is that what you call somebody who runs a market? <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad, but. Anytime someone even thought about complaining, either a member of the People's Temple or Jones himself had one word to shut them up. Bourgeois. Which is an insult that doesn't cut me. You know what I mean? It just doesn't get to me, but I understand. Bourgeois, does that mean they just don't want to, they want to have any kind of amenities in their life whatsoever? Hey man, you didn't like eating oatmeal for breakfast and peanut butter for lunch every day? Bourgeois. Bourgeois pig. That's what you are. I'm wearing a Jose Bay jacket. How does that make me bourgeois? Don't like shitting in front of other people? No. Bourgeois. Bourgeois pig. Hey, the revolution will take you down. I just don't want to feel like Charles Manson taking a bath. Don't want to have sex with Jim Jones? No. Bourgeois. What? Hey, you stinky butt. You get shit all over the father's dick. How dare you? You know he likes a clean dipstick when he's pussy the dirt. So that he can put it in his wife and he doesn't get any shit in your pussy. Well, you know what? I feel, I actually feel better. Feel- I, I, for the first time, I am part of the bourgeoisie. <laughs> yeah, and Jim Jones used that word to justify other Good sexual God. habits as well. When one of his black followers asked Jim why he only slept with white women, Jim got super pissed off and said it was because the white women needed to be snapped out of their bourgeois attitudes. And since black people didn't have bourgeois attitudes, there was no reason to have sex with them, see? Okay. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, that make I, sense? It, the math adds up. Sure. <laughs> I, I have no idea. He's sitting there being like, did I get away with that? Did I just do that? Did I just do that? Because you know nothing pounds the bourgeoisie out of a woman or a, a lost Vietnam vet man <laughs> quite like the five and a half inch penis of Jim Jones. Jim Jones. <laughs> he honestly, well, he apparently he was really packing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Jones had a had a honker. Isn't that something? Yeah, he said it was enough for the entire proletariat. <laughs> wow. Uh, Jim Jones got people to go along with so much shit using the buzzword bourgeois. So just remember, if you keep hearing the same words over and over and over again, like bourgeois or enemy or freedom, there's something very wrong with where you are and what you're doing. I I don't even know what you're talking about. There's nothing like I've never heard anything like fake news or like anything that's constantly said over and over again. Like it's a doctrine that's being sold from our government to our media companies to us who are all mutually benefiting each other by hypnotizing us into being a bunch of sheep robots. Well, I would have listened to you, but I'm too busy eating my Weight Watchers. I actually get to eat more and I lose weight. Well, really? Can they check it out? How many points is that? Is that a full leaf of prosciutto you're eating? Yeah. yeah. Are you on the freedom diet? I am. I actually feel more free than ever. <laughs> but Jones needed the word bourgeois to solve one of his biggest problems. Now, a lot of his followers, being a part of People's Temple was a step up, and a lot of them came from in- intense poverty, mm. so a job and a roof over their head was about the best life they had. It's right. like finding somebody that you just got out of a halfway house. They're really easy to get into a solid relationship with because <laughs> well, you, you just, just have give, to— you give them a full house. All you have to do is give them a t- just a t- slight tick up right. in lifestyle. And you got them. Yeah, Yeah. naturally. Yeah, but other followers were coming from middle and upper class backgrounds. And 
they were super educated. They were college boys and girls. And if they left, they were almost guaranteed to be living a better life comfort-wise almost immediately. They didn't need People's Temple. Well, why would they go there in the first place then? Ideal, ideological reasons. Uh. Because it was, you know, the this was the early 70s, late 60s. You know, you got Vietnam going on. You got riots in every fucking city. I mean, leadership yeah. is failing at every level in America and had been for a long time. People, yeah. people were lost. You know, you've got uh, fucking... You know, you've got cops on the streets in Birmingham sicking dogs after people and, you know, hitting people with fire hoses. Shit's fucked up. So people people are are looking looking for like they're looking for a utopian society. They're looking for something better. And Jim Jones has given them that. There were two decades. There were two decades in this uh, in this country's history where you could just say anything and just get away with it. And be like, it was the 60s. Like, why (laughs) did you wear shoes on your hands? It was the 60s. It was the 60s. And if you remember the 60s and you weren't wearing shoes on your hands, then you weren't alive during. In the 60s and you weren't wearing shoes and it was an excuse for everything those 20 years of madness yeah oh it was 20 years of madness and you know in the 70s were the 70s don't get enough credit for being a particularly fucked up time in american history i mean it was yeah. possibly the worst decade we'd had since the civil war everything went wrong leadership failed on every single level and it yeah. only got worse as the years went on especially when like 1978 came and jonestown happened people like 900 people? Are you fucking kidding yeah. me? This is my impression of the most positive Vietnam soldier of all time. Huh, free Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, Kool-Aid, wow. <laughs> but also remember, what seems like a great idea on Wednesday, you know what I mean? You're showing up, we're like, we're a part of the socialist world. Do like, it, it doesn't really matter on Saturday when you have to give up your orchestra-level tickets to Rush oh. because you have to go l- empty out the septic tanks because if you pulled the short straw, being like, no, you're fucked. You like these people, so, so all of a sudden you have these upper class people showing up, quote unquote upper class people that are like, oh, oh wow, oh, this is what commitment to the cause means, and right. it's very difficult to keep them in play. He's got to make sure they're happy though, doesn't he? Well, it's because they have their fuck, they are the the money sources, right? Yeah, he has to manipulate these people in a completely different way. So besides screaming bourgeois, Jim manipulated these people's arrogance and self worth. Jim, he played pretty fast and loose with the facts. Somewhere in the late 60s, Jones switched from Russia being the evil empire that Uh would destroy them all through nuclear weapons to saying Russia was a socialist paradise. Really? That was a possible escape plan for them. Oh, well, you just have, then you just have the yada, 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 all the millions of people that died in the purges yes. and the gulags yeah. and all the bullshit. But you can yada, yada, yada your way out of that as long as you have your sunglasses on because no yeah. one can see your eyes cross every single time you do it because that's what happens. Oh, can you imagine thinking Russia is a socialist paradise? Yeah, I mean, he, that's what he told these people. And wow. a lot of these people, I mean, they were uneducated. A lot of these people, sure. like, they didn't go to college. They didn't, like, write a fucking paper on mm. Stalin. You know, they didn't They didn't know. So, you know, for years he was talking about Lenin and he was talking about Marx and saying that, you know, and that's where it ended with Russia. But now he's saying, like, oh, no, Stalin. Stalin's great. Yeah. Like, he was, he's awesome. He's doing all sorts of great things for, he was doing all sorts of great things for Russia. And, you know, like, Khrushchev, whoo, yeah. Fun great, stuff. great fucking guy. But all of a sudden you have one person who's read a book who's <laughs> yeah. like, um, Mr. Jones. Uh, why are you like? What about millions of people that got murdered? Yeah, yeah. What about all these people that were murdered right. through all the purges? And he was called out by this in one of these like big public meetings. You know, a guy raised his hand and said like, "Hey, I don't, I don't think that's right." And so Jones lost his shit, publicly humiliated the guy. Mm. But after the meeting, Jones took the guy aside and said like, "Hey, listen, one of my followers 
They're simple. Dude, listen. Yeah. They, they don't they don't get it. Yeah. They don't get it. Yeah. All right. So to them, I'm feeding them jelly beans. You? Oh, yeah. oh. I'm feeling you broccoli. What? All right. You want broccoli? Oh. I know you do. I like I need it because I like the way you look. Yeah. All right. The whole my, my, another side problem, this whole thing. Uh-huh. You're thinking about it. Uh-huh. You know what you have to do? What? Now think about it. Don't. But somebody like you that does think about it every once in a while, you? You got to work for me. You just got promoted. How does that feel? You just got promoted to putting the toilet lids on the toilet. I'm excited. It also sounds like he channeled his inner spokesperson for Men's Warehouse. <laughs> That's what he's telling. He's saying like, hey, listen, you can't call me out on this shit in public. Right. But you can always come to me because I need a guy like you. I need a smart guy like you. In fact, you're probably smarter than I am. So I need a guy like you on my side. But you can't do it in public, but you can always come to me in private and you can straighten me out then. So Ooh. he would cherry pick the most troublesome ones, the ones that would cause, because doubt is like a virus in these little groups. Because yeah. at some point, your cortisone, your cortisone levels are going crazy when you're a group of people. Everybody's kind of all in a, uh, you're in a hive mind. We work right. on a network as, as as a species. So you're in this, this place where everything's super harmonious. And then if you have one particular strong member of the group steads up and questions the whole thing, it's going to send a ripple throughout the whole thing. Right. And he knows that. So he goes after the most contentious ones and he just brings them closer. Yeah, that reminds me of what Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda and Dolly Parton did in the hit film 9 to 5, (laughs) which is an incredible movie about empowerment of females, but also of anybody. And happy birthday to Dolly Parton. Happy is it her birthday? birthday? No, not today. Me and Dolly Parton share a birthday. Really? Oh, oh I love Dolly. Same way, same butt size. Yeah. We, oh, my goodness. Yes, well, it's the opposite. Her breasts, his butt, both big. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Both natural. We have to do a show in Dollywood. Oh. They would love us. God, I want to go to, I oh, they go to Dollywood. It's like, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, here I come. Oh, man. Well, that's, Jim Jones, he pulled these people closer. And this guy... Uh, Mike Cartwell, he was one of Jim's adopted sons. He put it perfectly. He said, Jim Jones gave you your five minutes, and in return, you gave him your life. He Jesus. gave him the Bill Clinton finger trick. He did the same thing. He like he looks right at you. And also, this is the man who is now beginning to call himself God. Yeah. Right? And now, imagine if God gives you two minutes of one-on-one time. And he knew how right. influential that was, so he'd use it very sparingly. And he knew when to turn his gaze onto somebody and... In turn, not only did it empower other people into thinking that he was God and bring them closer to them, but it also brought himself closer to his own delusions Mm -hmm. of how much control I have over people. And I got to say, I'm happy we're breezing over that Bill Clinton finger trick, whatever the heck that is. We're going to move on. I mean, really, like... The Bill Clinton comparison is very apt uh, because really? Jim Jones had that politician's talent. Where that's uh, a, they said uh, about Bill Clinton is that he could yeah. he could go through on a campaign. He could go to a small town right. in Minnesota, and then he'd come back four years later, and he would not he would not only know that person's name, he'd know their son's name, he'd know their wife's name, he'd know what problem that person had last time he was through. He yeah. would know all these personal details, and Jim Jones was that exact same way. If he heard Heard a personal detail about a person once, just right. once. Heard their name just once. He'd know about that, and he was also at the same time being informed the whole time. Like people are telling us, like, "Hey, this is what's right. going on with Patty. This is what's going on with Sarah." You know, he's got and, spies all over the place. Yeah, sure. and that's a part of it. So then he would use it in his congregation, which I think is very interesting. Uh, that he would use it for tricks during his preaching, and then he would also use it 
on his own people. Yeah. But, you know, not to discredit the talent there, but I think back in the 60s and 70s, there were three names, right? <laughs> yes. It was like Jim, the Newhart. John, Mary. That yes. was it. It's like, this is my brother Daryl's, my brother Daryl's, my other brother Daryl. Newhart show. <laughs> Classic Bob Newhart. He's well, still alive, I think. Bob Newhart, totally. Is oh, he yeah. really? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it is great, isn't it? So with these college boys, Jones made him feel special. He'd stroke their ego, and he'd turn him into confidants. Sure. And the most important of those confidants would be a young man named Tim Stone. Uh-oh. See, Jones knew that if he wanted to truly expand people's temple to the size he knew it could be, he was going to need a lawyer. Once you get to a certain size, you have to have a lawyer. Well, it's it's not even just a lawyer. Is it? He needed somebody who was as capable as he was. Mm, he was right. overseeing every single thing, including the books. Yeah. And it gets to a point where it's like the amphetamines could only do so much. And he knew... Deep, 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 deep inside that there that he was still a guy. Yeah. And even though he's been lying to even to Marceline now, even to the, the closest of the closest wife, people, yeah. is like he now knows that he needs to bring somebody who is just as capable as he is. And so then he starts casting a line out. And it's interesting how you put that that intention out in the universe and then a Tim Stone shows up. So we had Joe McCarthy out there with Roy Cohen, right? Roy Cohn? Roy Cohn, That yeah. was his big guy, went to work with Trump later on. But then was this guy sort of his Cohn? Yeah. Uh, yeah. This guy was so, absolutely, he was his right-hand man. Uh, and did, did McCarthy ever go after Jim Jones for socialism? Or I guess it was a different generation. Uh, that, that was, was a different, gener- different that generation. That was the 50s. Oh. I, I can't remember. He, Jim Jones did have, actually, Jim Jones uh, went straight up against it because during yeah. McCarthyism, Jim Jones, I think, was right out of college. Uh, And so he would go to uh, these communist meetings because there were still people that were trying to be uh, a little rebellious with it. And so Jim Jones would go to communist meetings and, uh, you know, they'd have FBI agents outside, like staking the shit out. And Jim Jones would go up to each one of them. He would introduce himself, say, like, hi, my name is Jim Jones. I live at such and such and such and such address. And he would taunt them. He would essentially, he would like, I'm a communist. No one fuck with me. Wow. Like, I will never stop being a communist. I am a proud communist. This is just the way shit is. Okay. So as far as Tim Stone went, you know, this guy... If Jim Jones needed a right-hand man, he needed a guy that not only believed in the cause, but also believed in Jim Jones. Luckily for him, Tim Stone happened to be just in the neighborhood. He didn't even have to look far. Tim Stone was an assistant DA for Mendocino County, where Redwood Valley was located. He was just right there. And this guy, he took... Powerful guy. Yeah, he took to the temple's message like a duck to water. Jones could not have accomplished half of what he did in the years to come without Tim Stone. So this guy's an ADA. He's putting, helping put people in jail. He's, I mean, and he's a rising star too. Wow. He's not, he's not like just a guy that's uh, sitting on the benches. Like everyone around knew, like Tim Stone, that guy's got a future. And when he joined up with People's Temple, people were like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Was were people public about it? About would, People's would, Temple? Yeah, would this totally. stone guy be like, I'm with this dude? Absolutely. Okay. No, they, they had to be. That was a requirement. Oh, okay. You know, like, it, it wasn't something that you uh, you kept secret. Like, you, you had to be out and out with being a part of People's Temple because okay. they were actually proud because they thought it was such a good thing. They didn't think they were in a cult. They right. thought they were a part of a group that was working towards equality uh, and just the, the general betterment of man. They right. thought they were being an example, and you can't be an example if you don't tell everybody what you're doing. How no do they know you're a good person if you don't tell them you're a good person, Ben? Right, yeah, of course. Now, if the drugs were the secret ingredient to Jones's evil, then Stone was the secret ingredient to his success. But with Tim Stone came his wife, Grace. And since Tim spent most of his time with Jim, Tim's marriage started to fall apart. 
And since Grace was lonely, she started talking about her problems to other People's Temple's members. What she didn't know, though, was that People's Temple kept a huge database of handwritten note cards containing information on every single member. So who was doing, who's taking all these notes? Everyone. So everyone is just kind of snitching on everyone else. Everyone. It's not like Scientology where like people are doing audits and you right. know, they're freely giving the information. They would just report on each other in conversation. It was like uh, it was like Nazi Germany. It, and this shit was done. It wasn't like Scientologists where they would sit and they would sit in a room and they would confess this shit. This stuff was done by like tiny, cute little old ladies. Right. They would sit there and like they ask you sweet questions where all of a sudden they're like, so do you like chocolate or vanilla? <laughs> Chocolate? Yeah, oh good. What's your deepest fear? Uh, spiders? Yeah, oh, is that that just that? Just spiders? Just, just something simple like spiders? Or... I thought we were talking about ice cream. No, no, what's <laughs> like the, what's something that shakes you to your core? Just curious, my Slowly dear. Loneliness. Yeah, loneliness, never alone. having anything, no, dying alone, Jay. maybe never knowing support you. Tell me, what's your favorite soup? <sighs> Split piece. Oh, that's good to know. Tell me, um, what's your deepest weakness? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just chocolate ice cream. <laughs> so when Jones found out that Grace and Tim's marriage was on the rocks, he moved in. And pretty soon, Grace was pregnant, and the baby born from that illicit affair would be one of the many catalysts that would end People's Temple forever. Okay. I just don't understand why he liked being a buck so much to the cucks. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> he just loved that. There was something about it. I mean, I guess obviously it's showing power over his people, but he really did enjoy taking people's wives. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I guess so. I mean, it was all about power. I mean, really, a lot right. of times uh, him having sex with the dudes, it wasn't really even that much about sex for pleasure. It was about dominance. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it was very, huh. uh, People's Temple uh, was very primal. At times. Oh, yeah, especially it's group thing at its, its very basis. Yeah. Right. So John Victor Stone was born January 25th, 1972, and this baby was special in the world of Jim Jones. See, since he was having so much illicit sex and did not enjoy condoms, abortions <laughs> were pretty common in people's temple. Do you think that's a positive thing, though? <laughs> no, I don't. I thought abortions are positive. <laughs> no, abortion, no. I don't understand. I don't think you're misunderstanding. Uh, but it just seems like it would be lucky for them to have a lot of abortions. I don't. No, this is, it was all traumatic. It was forced abortions. Uh, These women did not, they did not want to have abortions because if you look at it, like, I mean, you're impregnated by God. You know, awesome. But then God makes you get an abortion <laughs> and God doesn't even drive you to the clinic and God doesn't play brick on the radio so that you can sit and maybe oh, get, feel something for a second. Bringing Ben Folds five into this. Uh, that, that song, One Angry Dwarf, I love it. Yeah. And I'm tall, but I always have. Interesting. I relate to it. Well, Jones got around this contradiction by saying that adding more people to the world was contrary to socialist beliefs. And since the purpose of the sex was to give Jones a release, a baby was Ugh. merely an inconvenient byproduct that had no real purpose. Okay. So then come on the belly. I know. He's just being selfish. <laughs> just do something else. Do something fun with it. Even do it on the leg. Nah, dude. Only gooshing inside is going right. to give I don't, understand. I don't want to think about this disgusting guy. A slightly more fucked up George Jones. Oh, you don't want to think about a Jonesy cream pie? No, no I don't no, want to think about it. No. And the fact that you even said that is just uh, it's uh, disturbing. Because you know his cum noises sound like an old man moving a wheelbarrow that uh, it's like short and bad and like you're welcome because every single time he fucked you he said you're I'm doing this for you at this point in the series I'm gonna say he's worse than L. Ron Hubbard yes yes 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course he did. L. Ron Hubbard didn't murder 900 people. Oh. L. Ron Hubbard just technically made money on a fantastic idea, and a right. wonderful storyline. Oh, okay. But, it, but the, Good uh, Lord. But Jim Jones also, they would show up in the in the bus number seven, it would be come to be known, and it would reek of booze, and they weren't allowed to have booze. Oh. And all of a sudden, it's like, ding, 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 ding. He's got a smoking jacket on. You're like, we're not supposed to have different types of jackets. I thought it was bourgeois to have jackets for specific types of activities. He's like, oh. no, no. Oh, no, God has many jackets. Shopping for humans is hard, but shopping for your dog is easy, thanks to Bark. It's because dog can't give you its opinion. But every month we deliver dogs and treats just for your pup because they deserve to be spoiled. And then the dog shows you what they like. It's incredible. Only I could teach Wendy to use an iPad. She's so resistant. She scratches it up, she barks at it, barks at me. But if she could use it, she'd order BarkBox for herself. At Bark, we send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. And for a limited time, we'll double your first box for free. How about that? Wendy loves her little toys. Carmi has become quite a terrorist when it comes to her toys, and she's a murderer. She rips these things up, but, you know, we got some high-quality, tough toys from BarkBox, and she absolutely loves them, and our family could not be happier. And if you just want a slice of this joy, you got to go to BarkBox. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash left. That's right. You can sign up now at BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T for this exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's go back to petting our dogs. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. Yeah. Very key. You got to communicate clearly. All these emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. It's like you're Captain Kirk and Grammarly is Data. And you're kissing a lady on another planet. And Data is just trying to make sure you write better. Better writing means a stronger impact. And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. It did begin to understand when I was yelling and when I was doing bits versus me. Because I do use Grammarly, but it's nice. But I will also say Grammarly does will do the thing where it's like, um, I think maybe you missed a little comma. Here, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I know. Thank you, Grammarly. Like, thank I get it. Yes. But still, like, maybe we could just think about what I'm going through today, right? But Grammarly really does help. Because that's what we all need. A stern teacher with glasses and uh, little buckled shoes. That's Grammarly to me. That's what I see. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Getting engaged is special for so many reasons. Planning the perfect proposal. Oh, I want to do it at the Hindenburg. (laughs) I want to do it at the Hindenburg Memorial. Celebrating your love and looking forward to the rest of your lives. And if you're lucky, it's short. The only part that's not so special, shopping for an engagement ring, if you don't know what you're doing. That's where BlueNile.com comes in. Especially if you don't feel like talking to your mother. BlueNile.com is the original online jeweler. Since 1999, they've helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring with little 
or no feedback from their mother. With Blue Nile, you can create a brilliant piece at a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Why use anything traditional? Blue Nile also offers a diamond price guarantee, which means that they can usually meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. And I sent you to Steven, my guy, but you still refuse and you decide to go with your Blue Nile little thing because, oh, it's got 100% satisfaction guarantee with guaranteed free shipping and returns. And sometimes Steven doesn't answer your calls and sometimes Steven loses the rings. But that's where you don't understand because Steven was there for me when your father wasn't. And honestly, so now is Blue Nile. Because every time I call, they pick up with the 24-7 customer support. And they hear all about my hands hurting and how I've got, they have to reverse my feet at the doctor. They, they said, and they, but eventually they said it's temporary. They're going to put it back forward. But oh, thank you, Blue Nile, for not picking up, even though I texted my son. Right now, you can get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. But in John Victor Stone, uh, this illicit child, Jones saw something that he could use. Now, while Grace and Tim Stone were listed on the birth certificate as the parents, as far as People's Temple were concerned... The baby was Jim's because Jim Jones forced Tim Stone to write a humiliating statement declaring that Jim Jones was, in fact, the biological father. It read, in part, I, Timothy (laughs) Oliver Stone, hereby acknowledge that in April 1971, I entreated my beloved pastor, James W. Jones, to sire a child by my wife, Grace Stone, who had previously, at my insistence, uh. reluctantly but graciously consented thereto. James W. Jones agreed to do so reluctantly <laughs> after I explained that I very much wished to raise a child but was unable, after extensive attempts, to sire one myself. And my reason for requesting James W. Jones to do this is that I... Wanted my child to be fathered, if not by me, by the most compassionate, honest, and courageous human being the world contains. <laughs> this is an ADA. This is an ADA. Yes, this, so this is, is a, a man highly that, uh, educated, powerful man, powerful yeah. lawyer. Yeah, uh, but probably could have been. A Robert Kennedy. Yeah. Wow. Now, this statement was partly so Jones would have something to take to the courts should the Stones defect, even though it wouldn't hold up in court. But it was also done to take Stone down a peg or two as his power in the cult was only increasing. He had to remind Tim Stone of his place. Well, he would Uh. do this a lot where he would essentially foster his own enemies and his own conflicts within the church in order just to shut them down. And each time it made him harder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he also saw something to hold over Stone should Stone's loyalty waver in any way whatsoever. A little John John, as the kid came to be known, Ooh. was leverage. Tragedy always comes to kids named John John. <laughs> John John. Did they? Was it John John? John John. That's yeah. the official name. John. Well, the, his name was John Victor Stone, but they called him John John. Okay. How yeah. do you get the? How do you get a name? Like it's someone like a mentally handicapped farmhand is named after you. I don't understand how you get these nicknames. I, don't know. I understand like we call Wendy like Lumpy Lump and all that kind of shit because it's Lumpy a dog. Lump. You know what I mean? It's like a dog. You come up with weird uh-huh. various names for it at some point, but like a child where you'd be like, oh, Nookie Snooky, where it's like, 
It's not an Oompa Loompa. And as we'll see, using this childish leverage is going to backfire spectacularly. Okay. Jones didn't stop here either as far as using this pregnancy to his advantage. He had one more person to humiliate, almost as an afterthought. Marceline. His wife. Jones made his wife sign the aforementioned statement as a witness, publicly acknowledging once again that Jones fucked whoever he wanted. What was her state here? I mean, was she still chilling with all this? She was okay with all this? No, God no, God no. And this little stunt, this was the last straw for Marceline. I mean, she decided after this, like, fuck this, I'm leaving. I met this very nice psychiatrist. Ooh. Why do why do married women always meet psychiatrists that look like Judge Reynolds from the Santa Claus? Yes, Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. Ryan, Judge Reinhold. He's great he, in the Santa Claus. Why do they always leave it for a man with weird sweaters? It's always like me and me and Marcy have been talking, and we feel we feel it yes. is in her best interest to leave. They can't fuck as good as Jim Jones, right? No, no. But they can cuddle up to that sweet, sweet sweater, and sure, the guy has a mic grow like Johnny Paycheck. It doesn't matter. Yeah, sometimes you want Santa Claus, but sometimes you need a man who loves his weenie whistle. That's right. <laughs> right. You're right. Now, the only problem was is that Marcy leaving meant that her kids would go with her, How or at least talking? that's what she wanted. Five kids. Oh. She wanted all five of her kids to go with her because she knew Jim Jones was a fucking psycho. Right. She didn't want to leave her kids with him. So after Marceline told Jones what she was going to do, Jones called a family meeting. And after Marceline held fast on her position, Jones tried intimidating her like he did his followers, saying she would be met, quote, by the Avengers of Death. But at this point, she's heard the God spiel from him for a while. Yeah. Right. And she's like, all right, you all of this is horseshit. Mm-hmm. I'm, of course, as we've said multiple times, Marcy was like his first follower and his closest follower. Right. But she's like, I know you're not going to send fucking lightning after me. You're uh-huh. not Thor. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, we're going to do this. Like, we're like, what are you going to do? And so finally, Jim Jones was being like, well, how about cut the angel shit and just say, I'll f- I will kill you. Uh. Yeah. And doing it in front of the kids. Like they're in a fa- they're in a family meeting, and that's and Jim Jones is saying like, listen, your mother wants she wants to take you away from me. She wants to take you out of here. And when the kids are like, uh, well, you know, like they weren't really swayed by that. Like they kind of thought about because you know they fucking love their mother. She was actually a good mother. Uh, right. But after that, Jim Jones is like, yeah, I'm just gonna if you take him, I'm just gonna fucking kill you. And so uh. after that, you know, and because at this point he had a full. Fucking private army. Yeah, he a, had a, a small crew. one. A small one, at least. He had a crew like fucking wow. jackbooted thugs. They're fucking armed. They are fiercely loyal. Marceline knew that he had the means and right. he had the will to do this. So she canceled her plans and just settled into a life of dutiful misery. So he's living like Gaddafi. Uh, with a with a militant troop all around. But this him. shit happened really subtly. Mm-hmm. Well, like the one thing I want you to truly understand is that the difference in other cults than we've than we've covered right. is that a lot of that those changes kind of happened up top, like children right. of children of God, and that's like it it went wackety schmackety like really really fast, really really early. Same thing with Om Shinrikyo. But the People's Temple was very subtle. Right. It was a. Uh, <gasps> This shit just kind of naturally grew around him. Right. His enforcers just sort of came out of the specific people that came out of either the the criminal rehab programs or the drug rehab programs. Mm. These people kind of like formed unofficial groups around them. And Marceline was watching this happen, which is why she started getting an outside relationship and sort of trying to figure out a way to get the kids out. Oh, yeah. But she didn't realize how fully 
close the net had become. Well, that's what I was wondering. Is this officially, at this point, would you classify this as a cult? At, at this point? It's close. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. getting there. Huh? Uh, it's it's very much getting I mean, they've already got a little compound. Redwood Valley's already pretty much a little compound. Right. Uh, and... The reason why Jones was able to do this so subtly is because he had a reason for everything, you know, and he, as far as the security force goes, we're going to see later, like, why he really beefed shit up and how he actually did it in such a way where all of his followers said, oh, that makes sense. It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, but then all of a sudden, you know, then you have the the, the fringe members that are like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. check, please. And that's actually a way to get out of a cult. You can actually, that's a good you thing for people to know. Please? If you need to get out of a cult, you legally. can just go, legally, <laughs> check, please, check, and please. then you have to leave. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> well, despite their mother's sad existence, most of the oh. Jones kids, they were actually doing pretty good Due in no small part to their longtime buddy, Mr. Muggs. Who's Mr. Muggs? (laughs) Mr. Muggs was a full-grown chimpanzee whom temple members were told was saved from a laboratory. Oh, you know he's got one of those fucking voice boxes still built in, just being like, run, children, run, save yourselves, save Muggs, save Muggs, the monkey, get monkey into police car. I love, honestly, man, every kid wanted a monkey. The kid's got a monkey. (laughs) Well, he even used the chimp as a way to build himself up again because the chimp, they bought the chimp at a fucking pet store. I don't know what it was about like the late 60s, early 70s. Jim Jones is selling monkeys door to door. They're out in California. Some pet store just has a fucking chimp for sale. It's just different times, man. Simpler times. Also, for some reason, they just thought... They were just like a dog. Except I a dog so. can't rip your fucking arms off. Yeah, what a, it's like we got a chinchilla, we got a Pomeranian, we got a monkey, we got a mogwai, uh, we have an iguana. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, and they told well, how they kind of built themselves up with Mr. Muggs is that like, oh no, he didn't buy him in a pet store. Jim Jones saw him in a laboratory and he saved him because he could not bear to see this beautiful creature <laughs> suffering. Why are you wearing sunglasses inside? Do you want? You are frightening me. Please stop trying to make love to me. I will not do it. I will not do it. Hey, uh, why don't you shut up, Mr. Muggs? Just shut it up. Well, presumably named after the Tonight Show chimpanzee mascot, J. Fred Muggs. <laughs> Mr. Muggs Jones would serve the same purpose for People's Temple. He was Muggs. Mr. Muggs was like, oh, yeah, everyone loves Mr. Muggs. He's a mascot? He's the mascot. Oh, my God. I know. I mean, they didn't put him on, like, T-shirts, but. Might as well. Please merchandise me. You're leaving money on the table. I also, there was a monkey mascot on The Tonight Show? Yeah, J. Fred Muggs. I found this out by, like, I googled, like, Mr. Muggs chimpanzee to see what kind of Mr. Muggs stories I could get. And, yeah, he has his own Wikipedia page, a very long Wikipedia page. He had his own spinoff show, the J. Fred Muggs Show. So you didn't tell me they allowed a chimp to run an entire television show? (laughs) I guess so. And was it just canceled because it ripped Raquel Welch's face off in the thing? And they're like, we've got to to figure out a way to put it back on. Can you just imagine Ed McMahon getting slam-wasted with that monkey in the backstage? I'll tell you what, this chimp makes a lot of sense. What he talks about immigration. <laughs> Did you read Gump and Company? No, we were talking about this. <laughs> that was Gump and Company. Gump and Company was the sequel to the book Forrest Gump. I didn't even know it was a book. Yeah, Forrest Gump was totally a book. And then a few after the movie came out and it was so big, the writer uh, wrote a sequel called Gump and Company. And in Gump and Company, of course, he gets into a lot more wacky adventures. And uh. in the book, 
Forrest Gump, Raquel Welch, and a chimp all go into space together. I totally really? would have guessed it. Um, uh, talk about, uh, I could totally, I could have called that. What an uh, easy plot. I would love to hear the interview with the author of Gump and Company. Be like, so how do you describe the book? Well, it could be best described as a, as a money grab. As like, I'm trying to capitalize That's a Kind movie. of like a scam, kind of like a thing that I don't even believe I wrote. I, uh, I, it show, a manuscript showed up at my door, and I believed I hired five Himalayan boys to do it. <laughs> it was obviously written over a weekend. Okay. Yeah, but it was really fun because, you know, Raquel Welch championed Forrest Gump in space. It's, That's kind of fun. But it's not great about that. Go to space. <laughs> if, if you're out of ideas, take your characters to space. <laughs> well, although Jay Fred Muggs would survive until 2012, running out his days in Florida with his girlfriend, Phoebe BBB, who was oh. a human being. <laughs> what? Yep. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hold on. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a whole B-side to this story. He was riding them. Phoebe Bibi? Phoebe Bibi. Phoebe Bibi. I don't think it actually was a human. Gets a little bit <laughs> oh, it wasn't. Okay. Uh, even though J. Fred Muggs would live a long life, Mr. Muggs Jones would die in Jonestown, oh. most likely the first casualty of the mass suicide. Yeah, of course. Everybody's dying <laughs> and falling around it. And this, you gotta, don't tell me that the, the, the chimp is not going like, ah, ah, ah. it's been like, he is disturbing my death-like peace. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is absolutely fucking absurd to think about. That's why we bring it up because it is fucking absurd. Crazy. And it, but it really shows you what sort of planning went into that last day. Kill Mr. Muggs was on the checklist. Oh. And either that or someone thought like, oh, fuck, what about the monkey? And just took care of him in a last minute mercy. They shot him in the back of the head. I'll never tell what happened here. (laughs) Oh, man. And then they shot him like Che Guevara. (laughs) Oh, just let him go in the forest. Yeah, they they absolutely could have. I mean, there were no chimps there, but you know what? Those forests in Jonestown were full of monkeys. They said that was actually uh, in the mornings, monkeys were their roosters. Is that they'd wake up. That's uh, terrifying. (laughs) That is kind of scary. Monkeys are our roosters. Time to make the donuts. (laughs) Well, long before all that happened, back in the early 70s, the Jones family was doing pretty good. Even though Jones constantly preached socialist ideals, he wasn't above taking a few bucks from the kitty to take his family on expensive vacations all on the down low. He's working very hard. He is working very hard. Technically, he's working extremely hard, but he's telling all of his people, like, hey, we're going on a secret mission. That's a cool way to set up a vacation. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we're going on a secret mission. We'll be back in like a w- week. We're oh. going to this place, Wally World. <laughs> I hope it's open. You better check if it's open first. <laughs> now, the only Jones child who didn't seem to be enjoying himself was Jim and Marceline's only true born son, Stephen. Now, whether it was because of depression or if it was just a cry for help, Stephen attempted suicide Three times when he was 12. He himself said it was a cry. Just one year? He said it was a cry for help. Oh, of course it was. And since Jones was a hardcore drug addict, it was important for him to keep a large and convenient stash of lewds around the Jones household at all times. And it was with these pills that Stephen attempted suicide. And even after the second attempt, even after the third, Jones still kept the pills readily available all for his own convenience, even though his son was grabbing him and taking him whenever he could. Okay. And possibly even worse than that was the fact that Jones didn't really seem to give a shit. Mm. Well, in the end, I imagine he thought that Stephen would learn to take care of himself or not. And also, Jones, did. I can't imagine he really thought too much outside of himself and his own dick. Right. Absolutely not. You know, is Stephen the oldest? Stephen, well, no, uh, there's a couple. No, Lou is older than him. I think it goes... Uh, 
I think it was Agnes, Lou, who were both adopted kids. But uh, Stephen was Jim, uh, Jim Jones, Jim and Marceline's only Bi- biological oh, son. Okay. All the rest of the kids were adopted. Well, isn't that stunning? He would have a uh, love for lewds. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I think Jim Jones, like, he'd always talk big about, like, how when he died, Marceline was going to take over. And then when Marceline took over, when Marceline died, Stephen would take over after that. But I think, like, deep down, he didn't give a shit about Stephen. He didn't give a shit about Marceline because I think he always knew or at least hoped that when he died, the church was going to die with him. I think you see that over and over again, that that, that sentiment is mm. it's put into a lot of his speeches, especially as it gets closer and closer to their move to, to Guyana. Right. And he is, uh, I, I think that's very true. Yeah. And I think that's the most dangerous thing, of course, because essentially like, well, then you, if I die, then you all have to die too. Right. Yeah. You could see how that, that algebra. So it was a, it was a power thing. Huh? It was a, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's just, well, it was arrogance really. I right. mean, it's like that nothing is going to survive past this. And you know, the Jonestown, the death tape, there's always like one sentence that sticks out in my mind so much. And I think what you just said, like really reminded me of that, uh, is he's talking and talking and talking and telling him everything that he's done for him. And there's this one, this one sentence that just fucking lives with me is Jim Jones says, I am the best friend you will ever have, you know, and people, and everyone's a tombstone of his father. Everyone is my friend. It's kind of, it's very interesting. It's kind of the same shit. It's it's weird how it's like all these things kind of go, like even unconsciously feeds back into the end moments. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's crazy. But in the meantime, before any of that happened, Jim Jones kept his congregation enraptured. Around 1970, Jones started really driving at home that he and he alone was their salvation. And he slowly started replacing God in these people's lives with himself. Here's a quote from Raven by John Jacobs and Tim Reiterman. You prayed to your sky God and he never heard your prayers. You asked and begged and pleaded in your suffering and he never gave you any food. He never gave you a bed and he never provided you a home. But I, your socialist worker God, have given you all these things. And in a lot of ways, he he did, right? <laughs> he actually did. I mean, people were getting results. But yeah. he's not God. It's about results. But again, he's not God. That's, <laughs> but that's it's the, about that's results. The big jump. He can say, I gave you shit. And they'd be like, yes, right. you did. But you can't all of a sudden. Once you start, the term socialist worker God right. seems to be a trigger where I'd be like, Check, please. Check, please. They call you a taxi, and then you get in, they give you $100, and you can go buy a suit. Right, right. And Jones followed this statement, as he would many times after, by throwing the Bible across the room, and he'd pick it up, and he'd throw it again. And then he'd run over to it, and he'd jump up and down on it. And then the band would play a fanfare, and he'd start dancing on it. And hit me. One, two, three, four. Get up, get on up. Him just dancing on like fucking James Brown. And you gotta remember. Because the band was awesome. But there's chicken gut. It's like Marilyn Manson meets James Brown. Yes. That's, it sounds like a Manson concert. But he would pick up the Bible, he'd throw it across the room, he'd jump up and down on it and be like, if this fucking Bible means anything, God, uh-huh. strike me dead. And like he sat there waiting to die, and then he'd be like, see... You see how there's no God. And you remember the fundamentalist Christians that were involved, these revivalist era Christians that were involved in the people's temple. Right. They believed that the word of God in the Bible was completely real. They thought it was a nonfiction book. And right. so the idea is that you watch it happen. Because how many times it's like I, I see people, even I felt 
the tiniest twinge of something. I threw out, I had an old school Bible built in my books when I was moving out of my apartment here. And I took it, and I, I, I was just like, fuck this. And I threw it in the garbage can. And there's always like a little magical moment where you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. What did I just do? <laughs> but then you like, you just, it's, it's interesting how that can grip people, especially when they spent their whole it. lives believing of that. Of course, yeah. Well, he prepped them for this. He This was not something that was out of the blue, because for years he had been preaching about the contradictions in the Bible, where okay. he would say, like, yes, the, the Bible, yes, there are a lot of things going on there, but the Bible is a man-made object. This is something that was written by men, and he'd go through in his sermons and he'd point out all the contradictions in the Bible. He's like, sure. well, it says this in the Old Testament, and it says new, this in the New Testament, and it says this in Mark, and it says this in Luke. Luke, and it says this in Exodus and this in Deuteronomy. Uh, and so people started listening. And since they were so enraptured by Jim Jones and since they believed in Jim Jones so much, they were like, huh, that makes sense. Why is that? Why would there be those contradictions there? And right. so by the time he started throwing the Bible across the room, people are, are already thinking like, you know, maybe this Bible is bullshit. And then after he threw it, after he called out on God to strike him down when nothing happened, Jones said, there's no need to fear God because I am God and you are God and we are all our own God. And what was Mr. Muggs thinking this whole time? <laughs> Check, please. <laughs> Check, please. <laughs> but the emphasis and the implication was that even though they were all God and all gods were equal, some gods are more equal than others. Oh. Oh, interesting. Like Animal Farm. Yes. Animal Farm, the book, huh? <laughs> Do you? God, you must have been such a difficult high school English student. I don't know, man. What did you think of Animal Farm, Ben? I just I just want to know. Love pigs. <laughs> you, that's not an opinion on that book. No, I, I, Animal Farm, Charlotte with the web. You talk uh, about Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's Web. Know. You don't know what Animal Farm is, There's do you? There's a series of animals that live on <laughs> a farm. Did you get a, de- a degree in political science? We don't like read bo- books about pigs. It's not a book chicken. about pigs. It's it, not babe. It's, a, it's like, that's like, that's like eighth grade political science. It's Animal uh, Farm. <laughs> <laughs> are, are people in the book? No, it's Animal Farm. There's, well, there's, a, couple, a, there's, a, there's a couple of people in the book. But so it's all lies. <laughs> because animals don't have political parties. Oh my god! Is it an analogy oh for something? <laughs> yes, yes, it's an allegory. Some animals are more equal than others. Yeah. All I know is all animals are all animals are equal. But I some don't care what the spider is spelling. I hate the web. <laughs> I get it out of here. I'm, I'm mad. I'm mad that he doesn't know it. No, I know the book. No, I know the book. I know the book. The crowd ate this shit up. You know, even the Bible thumpers, you know, after he'd already put in all the doubts in their heads, they were totally on board with this. And with all these followers and all this power, after Jim Jones saw that he could take little old ladies who have been clinging to the Bible for 60, 70, 80 years, he figured he was finally ready, after seven years of planning, to take a sincere run at Mother Divine. He oh. was definitely prepped for this and and was thinking about this the entire time. Yeah. And it really does. He's just starting to believe in the smell of his own shit. He's starting to really love it. Love it. Right. I feel like that he, he's got the chops where yeah. he could just show up and take the entire ministry that belongs to Mother Divine. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, Jealous Divine, Father Divine, he'd been dead for seven years okay. at this point. Jealous Divine had died in 1965. And Mother Divine had been running it this entire time. And the whole time, Jim Jones is just biding his time because he's seen... In this international peace mission movement, he's seen this whole time. It's like, that's how I can double my followers, 
right quick. I can right. double my followers overnight. He's seeing a huge shortcut here. And really, it's not a bad plan. You know, it's a dumb no. plan, but all this shit's dumb. He wants to go steal another congregation, Yeah, I guess. it's sort of like the video game Civilization, I believe. I think you could do, I seem to remember that from Civ, yeah. where you could go and yeah, you we, could you get other people's armies and shit. Oh, no, you just uh, defeat, uh, you just invade another country, and then once you take the capital city, you get all of the cities. That's oh. a good game. Man. Yeah. Oh, God, I love Civilization. God, I love Civ so much. Okay. It works every time. <laughs> <laughs> Look what happened in Iraq. Loyal soldiers. They were ready for us. <laughs> totally ready. Willing to fight for us. Now, if you remember from our first episode, Mother Divine was the heir to the, as I said, International Peace Mission Movement, originally fun, run by Father Divine, who died and left it to Mother in 1965. Mm. Jones's plan for this movement for all these years was to show up and say that Father Divine had jumped bodies, uh -oh. just as Mother Divine had oh so many years ago from uh, Penaniah to that Canadian girl. Can you imagine uh -oh. the look on Mother Divine's face, right, when he shows up and he says, Father Divine has jumped to my body, and she knows that the other story was horseshit too. Yeah. I just can't imagine Mother Divine standing in front of the congregation just turning to... Jim Jones being like, well, I don't know if that's the way it really went there. I don't know if, if he really just jumped into your body there. He, and he, he's like, oh, I think it did. I think that's exactly how it happened. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, no, no. See, it works for some and not for others. I became Irish. <laughs> Just a strange episode of Quantum Leap, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jones, yeah, where everybody's fucking each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jones's plan is that if he could convince Mother Divine that Father Divine had jumped bodies into Jim Jones, if he could convince Mother Divine, then she would convince all the rest of the followers. <laughs> all he had to do. That is such a crazy thing to have to convince somebody of. Yeah. It's because she knew the other story was bullshit, too. <laughs> right, you can't sit here and be like, oh, wow, is that real? She, he's got to know that he knows that she's that that, that is bullshit. Oh, well, he's got to hedge. The, he's got to hedge the bets, you know. And he's he's got to think like, okay, I believe in my bullshit pretty hard. How hard does she believe in her bullshit? It's, like okay. it's poker with bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> bullshit yeah. poker. It's liar's poker. Yeah. I mean, it's like trying to see like who's going to who's gonna break first. Okay. Uh, but he also thought, you know, besides just convincing Mother Divine, like he had to kind of sway the congregation as well with all this shit. Like he had to kind of put the congregation a bit. Uh, he had to make them a little wobbly so when he really ran at Mother Divine, she would be a little wobbly as well and maybe feel like, okay, like I could I could merge these houses. Okay. It, it's kind of like the movie either Fury or like the movie um, uh, with the brains because scanners. Oh. Yeah. It's like scanners where you basically have two people because it's not about her and him. It's that he knows he's got to flip her crowd. Yeah. And the way you do that is you have to mentally beat Mother Divine in sort of like <laughs> a staring contest yeah. in front of everyone mm -hmm. where you show up and be like, who jumped bodies? <laughs> Me or you? Who's jumping bodies now? Did I jump bodies? Like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I did. I don't know if you did. I think that I know that you did, and I think I know that I did. And you have to be a bunch of people, just just a silent group of people just staring at them, being like, who's winning? <laughs> yeah, what the hell is going on? Well, this is how he tried to make this happen. He loaded about 200 of his most loyal followers and drove them across the country to the Divine Compound outside of Philadelphia. And he also brought a few empty buses because he figured this is how arrogant he was. He figured that in about five, six days time, he was going to 
dazzle these people so hard <laughs> that they were going to be bringing hundreds of people back with him. But remember, he has something, he has reason to believe this because this is how he's run his game for so long is that people would show up on his, on his road shows. They'd always have like one empty bus or like room in a couple of the buses. And basically they'd whip up the music and then you'd be like, woo, right. praise <laughs> Jesus, woo. And you just jump, jumping and dancing with them. like, yeah, woo, yeah, oh, look at that soup. Oh, that's soup, that's free soup. Woo! I'm dancing. I got Jesus in my feet. Woo! All of a sudden, you're on the bus. Woo! This dance with the oh, got my seatbelt on. Isn't this funny? Ah, oh, it's crazy. I got my seatbelt on. Bus pulls off. Where? Where are we going? Right. You're in the People's Temple now. Oh shit! That reminds me of what I did to my friend Dave. At two o'clock in the morning, we were very intoxicated. We said, "We're going to." I said, "We're going to South Dakota, going to Mount Rushmore." He's like, "Okay." Yes, you think you're the funniest man I've ever met. Yeah, but then I threw him in the car, and then twelve hours later, he woke up. I was smoking Winston's. I was like, "We're almost there." Oh fuck! And then he was horrified. I gotta go to psych class. (laughs) But it's it's a part of it, but that's not even a joke. It's like people would part of their way onto their buses, and all of a sudden, now you're in the People's Temple. You're part of a socialist community, and you're fucking stuck there because you don't have. Have any of your bullshit anymore? You don't have any money or possessions. Isn't you're, it kidnapping? No, it's but kind of like emotional kidnapping. You kind of flip your mind. It's like because it, the part of it is what we were talking about before is that you lie to yourself, like you could handle the community part of it. You All think right. that you're ready to join something pure and crazy, but then when you show up, you're like, oh wow, how, how many bathrooms are there? How much right. food is there? You know, you're, mm-hmm. it's very, the reality is shocking. Sure. Yeah. And when Jim Jones got to uh, the International Peace Mission movement and he started talking, like, first he was talking all nice and sweet. me Like, it's so great to be here. I love this movement. You know, Fauna Divine is inside me now. Uh, he kind of jumped inside of me jumped to the me point now. where I did a reverse Fresh Prince and came from <laughs> California to Philadelphia. Uh, and but st- but people weren't really buying it. And Mother Divine also was like, "Oh, I don't know about this." Yeah, no kidding. And then who's this white man? Like, yeah. legitimately, it's been like, who's this white guy that just even, showed up? Even though Mother Divine was also white. Oh yeah, I forgot. I hate him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you forgot that she. He was a white Canadian. Oh, yeah, and that's why they yeah. were like, what? Didn't and that's she- why Jim Jones thought that he might be able to flip it because right. Pananaya went over to a white woman, so why wouldn't right. Father Divine go over to a white man? Well, didn't this this started with Mr. De- Mr. Divine? Yeah. Isn't he the one who started this whole idea of, of switching bodies? Yep, yeah. Father, Father Divine was the one that said, like, Pananaya has gone over to uh, a white woman now, right. so we're all good. Oh, God. you know what? I, I, I just think they... They're not being reasonable. That's what I think. <laughs> very, I think. very astute. Well, after people, like, they didn't immediately reject him. They're just, everybody was like, I don't know. It's oh, crazy. Oh. Yeah. And Jim Jones's arrogance got the best of him. He got pissed off and he started telling them, the way you guys are living your life, this is bullshit. This is not a socialist society. This is not what Father Divine, I mean me. This is not what I wanted. He, him, me, I think. You got to come to People's right. Temple. You have to come, or else you're going to hell. Yeah, he started straight up threatening them. So like, you're gonna you're gonna go to hell. Your lives are over. You're gonna be destroyed and if you, you do not come with me. And you want to know what you don't do? What threaten a group of people in Philadelphia? Oh, 
Oh, Groups in it. Philadelphia are highly dangerous yeah. and very motivated. They just rioted because they were happy. Yeah. The Eagles won. They trashed the whole town. Well, except for the poles because they greased the poles. No, there were still people who climbed up. They actually still did it. Yeah. They still made it. American yeah. Ninja <laughs> Warrior Philadelphia edition. <laughs> so after Jim Jones started getting aggressive with them, Mother Devon was like, get the fuck out of here. I don't ever want to see you again. Get out of here and never come back. Right. And so on the way back, like Jim Jones didn't say shit and nobody said shit to him. It was they said it was a silent, tense bus ride all uh, the way from Philadelphia back to California. And it is really difficult. Just the silence is so much more echoing when you're three to a seat. Oh yes. <laughs> so everyone understood this was a failure for him. Everyone understood. Deep, yes. But and the thing is about Jim Jones though is that there are no failures there it's always someone else's fault well, it's he never that, truly a failure i love his excuse where he she said that mother divine they had a wonderful conversation and the mother divine pulled him another room ripped open her shirt and showed him her quote unquote sagging breasts Wave and asked her, to her have, sagging breasts yeah wave them which i guess had the effect of like you know when a bird's got eyes on its wings and it's supposed <laughs> to scare bigger predators oh, away yeah. like one of those things where i guess the breasts were supposed to scare him and he goes oh no <laughs> Not horrible pendulums. Or it's just like, well, he basically, he did the, he pulled the Brazil where he said, oh, she's fuck, uh, she wanted me to fuck her. And I said, no. Yeah. Oh, I see. That's what kind of got me about it. Cause it was actually, he pulled the opposite of Brazil because in Brazil, he said, oh yeah, I, I asked, yeah. got asked to fuck. Yeah. And he's, yeah. yeah. In Brazil, he said, you know, she wanted to fuck me. So I did it for the greater good for the orphanage. So she would give $5,000 to the orphanage. Uh, and, <laughs> You know, I mean, really, arguably, this would be for even more of a greater good because this is the cause. This is the whole cause. And if they can add yeah, another, another thousand people to the congregation, like, that's a huge deal for the cause. But for some reason, this was not good enough for Jim Jones. Well, we're going to see this play out later on, too. He started talking about shit like this where he's just like, I only put out for the prime talent. Yeah. It's like he's oh very he's very much so like you're gonna see his taste escalate in women and then in in men it stays exactly the same. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But these failures, in a relative sense, were pretty small, and people's temple was still growing. And with this growth came a greater need for control. And that control came in the form of of the planning commission. Uh-oh. Now, I see this as a direct result of these failures. Mm-hmm. I think what he realized is that when he went out, because he became so confident of what he was doing in, in Ukiah, and that he thought that he would just go out and fucking crush, crush, crush everywhere else. Um, and when it didn't, he realized, oh, I got to, like, fucking take this out on my people a little mm-hmm. bit more. So he invented this thing called the planning commission, which was, like, his little, his solid inner, inner core group uh-huh. that would not then be the most innermost. It would be the second innermost but he needed them to be his like open mic night I see it's what the mom did in what was that The Grinch Who Stole Christmas what are you talking about I, I haven't the seen mother. this stupid fucking movie I don't want to talk about it <laughs> it's not a good film it is a good film I mean I've watched a couple of minutes like on TBS during Christmas when I was bored at my parents house but it was obviously a bad movie it's not good the who's are, are physically deformed <laughs> the mother the mother who is on the planning commission can I actually ask this do the who's believe in Christ they might is that they why they like Christmas, Christmas? yeah it's just Christmas, but they like the presents. But do they not believe in the theoretical Ooh, beginnings of we Christmas? Didn't, they didn't get into that. They might like Jim Jones, as far as we know. I think it's kind of like Wookiee Life Day. What's Wookiee Life Day? It's from the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, it's yes. What the, it's what the Wookiees celebrate. Because if you watch it, there is a long 10-minute segment of the Wookiees 
having a Christmas-like thing really? called Wookiee Life Day with no subtitles. It's just 10 minutes of Wookiees growling at each other. Yeah. Uh, I, I also realized I can't do I realized when we were watching Star Wars, I can't do a Wookiee noise. It's <laughs> tough to do. <laughs> ben, try it. <laughs> Not good at it. Well, this planning commission, there was an illusion of collaboration. Jim Jones said, like, all right, we're, fo- we're forming this thing. We're all going to work together. This is how we're going to take People's Temple to the next level. And all you people who are my most trusted, my most special, are going to be a part of it. And we're all going to do this together. In reality, it was completely in Jim Jones's control. Okay. Well, it became known as the PC. And what, what do we know about cults? Once acronyms get started... <laughs> There's going to be problems. Yeah. Right. Never, once the acronyms start, you know it's bad. And he used sort of this, this was his testing ground. Yeah. He would see what he could get away with with the planning commissions. And they would meet late at night after all of the meetings. There would be an afternoon session again, four or five hours long. There would be a night session. It would be like four hours long. Then they would have another meeting with just the PC where he would start his more experimental ideas to kind of see how people respond and then see how basically in a cult structure, you really have to kind of incept them. You have to sure. make them think that they are collaborating and, and, and adding something to the group when in fact that they're not so that they, inst- they themselves like the second layer of the cult will then go teach the outer layer of the cult to believe in the teaching straight from the head. Like, so you basically, the only way you get the fringe people from saying check please is they see the inner group people saying no it's a good idea mm-hmm. so they, right. they then see people reverberating the idea back and forth so then it, ma- it begins to make sense little yeah. circle of trust there yeah because we're getting people's temple is getting up into the thousands okay. as far as membership goes I think by 73 they had about like 3,000 wow. and I think by the end it was like 7,000 wow like there were only like only a small fraction of people's temple members actually went to Guyana okay yeah and I think Jim Jones, like, it wasn't just, it was definitely a way for him to, like, put his ideas out there and have a godsend, but it was also a toy for Jim Jones. Yeah. It was like, this guy, Jim Jones played with the people and the people in the uh, planning commission the way, like, a serial killer plays with a dead body. Just seeing what he's going to get away, just seeing what he can do just for his own pleasure. I mean, the thing did serve administrative right. purposes, but it seems like the way most writers tell it, the PC was used as more of a platform for abuse and humiliation, all under the guise of being a place where people could accomplish great things. Interesting. And trying to make them little human zombies like Jeffrey Dahmer oh, did. Yeah, I mean, shit like that, yeah. yeah. And, of course, most of the humiliation had to do with the thing it's easier to use to humiliate someone is sex. Mm. And one of the main purposes of the PC was so Jones could bring women he wanted to have sex with into his confidence. The PC was at its largest about 100 members out of the thousands that People's Temple ended up having. And it was only out of the PC that Jones would pluck his sexual conquest. And it wasn't quite in the poison way of handing black roses to the talent in the front (laughs) row to come in, but it was kind of like that, where they would go... The cultist bachelor? Yeah, where they would bring people... This was his way of bringing them closer and again, and every single time, well, we would see with the, if he had a smart ass uh, ask a lot of questions, he'd put him on the PC. If he had a woman that he wanted to have sex right. with, he'd put her on the PC. So was it a punishment or a, or a half or and reward? half? Yeah. We're going to learn that that they are exactly the same. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I think that's one of the brilliant things about Jim Jones and also what a lot of uh, cults do is they blur the line between punishment and reward. Oh, Robin Thicket. A bunch of people bragging about how little sleep 
they got. Yeah, right? That's right. the first one. It was like once you start, and that just shows again the subtle build and the, the way people can be really flipped is once you control their whole behavior. It's because it gets to a point they view pain as pleasure, and then once that starts happening, they they believe they deserve it, and they believe that it's the will of God, and then they're supposed to be like this. And then Jim right. Jones uses the uses that uh, to his own advantage. Yeah, and taking the sex thing even further. Like half the purpose of the PC, as far as their meetings went, what they talked about, see, like Jones just wanted a captive audience to listen to him go on and on about how virile he was and how much he liked to fuck and who he was fucking and who he had fucked in that room. Like he would actually make people write statements describing their personal sexual experiences that would be read aloud to the entire PC, and he'd make them do it like in the middle of the meeting. He's like, "Hey, uh, why don't you? We fucked, right? Yeah, we fucked. Write about it. Write a statement, and then we're gonna read it." Wasn't there a statement? I read one of them as being like. I had a great time. <laughs> it was just like signed right. Nancy. My only lover has been Jay. Huh. And, and, and that doesn't say a lot, though. No. Because that, honestly, that does not, that's technically not even good or bad. That's just a fact. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, the other half of these planning commission talks is much more sinister. The PC. That was the good part? That was the good part. That That's was the fun the part. part. <laughs> yes, you have oh, to give. Dang. Basically, you give up to 10 bed springs for his level of fuckingness, where you just say, like, <laughs> oh, a 7 out of 10 loved it, could have could have used a little bit more feet sucking, 2 out of 10, I am a man and I did not enjoy this, and he tears those up. He's like, oh, wow. I only take 6 out of 10s. The PC was also in charge of discipline. <laughs> And that's disciplining the entire congregation. Now, most of the time, the discipline was just counseling. And that's by Jonestown survivor Tim Carter's own admission. Like, Tim Carter is, you know, I mentioned him earlier, this guy is the biggest Jim, he's the biggest Jonestown critic. He's the biggest People's Temple critic. He's the one that we know so much about People's Temple, the inner workings of it, because of Tim Carter. And Tim Carter said, you know, 80% of the time, it wasn't really that bad. Yeah, because it worked, because the counseling just worked. They would talk people out, and they had counseling programs with real counselors that ended up being parts of the People's Temple that they they would do. But then the problem is, is that once you got past, like, level three of counseling and you were still not doing shit, that's when the verbal public humiliation would start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they called that catharsis. That that entailed them bringing people up to the front of the church and they'd scream and yell at them and tell them what big piece of shit they were. And then at the end, Jim Jones would go over and he'd give them a big hug, say it's for your own good. And okay. that was punishing with one hand, comforting with the other hand. Shows them not only do I administer punishment, but I care for you so much. I'm going to make you feel better afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the abuse cycle. It's mm-hmm. being an abusive relationship where you, you're the source of all stimulus. Yeah. Mm. And then there were the spankings. Uh-oh. Started off as just a lick or two from the belt, which sounds relatively tame as far as cult punishments go, especially when we compare it to some of the fucking Om Shinrikyo stuff. Right. But this wasn't done in private. Usually this was done in front of a congregation of like a thousand members. These are the locked door meetings. But still, it was like a thousand people there. Yeah. And then they'd do it a hundred people at a time, all waiting in line to be spanked. They've been doing this well, in Congress a lot. I find like this is, is a very, right? this is like a senator-like activity, oh, I feel. Oh, yeah. That's why they call it the majority whip. (laughs) Capital steps. Uh, Here comes your new member. There it is. Real Henny Youngman. (laughs) 
And then the belt escalated to a paddle, uh, uh, which Jim Jones not so originally called the Board of Education. Oh, man, Ugh, it's so fucking just... like the, the the wall, dude. Oh, every, principal calls, Floyd, his, dude. every principal calls his paddle the Board of Education. Why do well, principals still have paddles? I don't think they should. I guess probably not. I mean, up until I graduated in 2001, yeah, the principal had a paddle. The superintendent had a paddle. What? Some of the of teachers had like personal paddles. Did you have to wear those clay masks and, fall <laughs> and pretend to fall into a sausage grinder? <laughs> No, but you got to sign the paddle after he spanked you. Oh, after Marcus. after he gave That's after really he gave just, you a few licks. Ugh, stop uh, with the licks. Good. <laughs> the whole world is run by the negative or the the mean people from Animal House. <laughs> negative people. And then the number of licks escalated. You know, it started with like one, two, three, but then it got up to 25. Whoa. And then it got up to 50. Uh-oh. And then it got up to 100. That's too many. All in front of the congregation. Sometimes with such force that these people required medical attention for their butts. Well, uh, excuse you- me, I'm a, I'm a doctor for butts. I can, uh, <laughs> let me look at them. Um, uh, I'm not really a doctor. I probably should have said that before I started looking at your butt. But the one thing I will say is you got two cheeks, you got one hole. Looking good. Doing good. <laughs> Dr. Butts. And then there were the boxing matches. The offender. Awesome. Yeah. Honestly, this, this is, is not awesome. awesome. I mean, it's fucked up. <laughs> no, that, yeah, I understand. And I understand. I do understand you, you Henry's do understand immediate reaction awesome, to yeah. awesome. But then I do understand your rebuttal being like, this is not awesome. Forced, forced boxing is not good. No, the offender in question, usually just guilty of being bourgeois, would be forced into a public boxing match against a member he or she had no chance of beating. Damn. And, and you know, people are watching that shit yeah, too. Yeah. They're screaming. They're cheering. The congregation <gasps> is fucking loving it. It must be so, especially at this point, because originally they were just singing and dancing in a normal church. Remember again, two right. years ago, they were just in a church mm-hmm. singing and dancing. Now you're at a point where like, get him, Mrs. Henderson! Kick him in the fucking nuts! Kick him in the fucking nuts! Yeah. Got Mr. Muggs just being forced to box a little old lady being oh, like, man. I don't want to kill you, but I will look up what I did to Raquel Welch. Oh. <laughs> At some point, the boxing ring is being built, huh? Yeah. And, built up and even if the offender won, sometimes they'd have to fight opponent after opponent until Jones figured they'd had enough. I mean, they'd have to pretty much fight until they lost. Wow. And sometimes he even made them do it naked. And then sometimes they'd even put like a young kid against an old lady. Who won? The kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's tough to say. Well, then I like you. You were even saying the other day about the idea of they have to fight and fight and fight until they get up to Jim Jones himself. Yeah. And then it's like Mike Tyson Boss knockout. <laughs> yes. Know what to do. Did Jim Jones ever fight himself? No. I assume not, no, of right? Course yeah. not. No, you can't no, no. knock his sunglasses off. He just killed them with the power of his gaze. <laughs> and some of these punishments, they weren't even that original as like boxing match. Because honestly, the boxing matches, that's kind of an original punishment. I mean, that took some imagination. Kind of. I would love to see the figured up in like, because you know, honestly, they were just sitting there and a bunch of people fighting, then Jim Jones is like, fight each other. <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, or he was watching Star Trek and saw the end of that episode. I mean, like, you know, it'd be kind of sweet if you guys start wailing on each other. And they're all like, and there's a couple other guys who were like, yeah, yeah, that would be pretty fucking sweet, wouldn't it? Yeah. Fight club, fight club. Uh oh, don't talk about it. So we intertwined punishment and entertainment here. Yeah. Yeah. Punishment and entertainment. Uh, and sometimes, like, the shit was, it sometimes was just gross. Like, one dude, they just puked and pissed all over. Ooh. That's totally out of ideas. It's very yeah. Italian. Very G.G. Allen right. of them. Why is that Italian? 
It's Roman. You know what I mean? It's uh, technically Roman, Roman, but I Roman. say Italian at the same time because I think they were doing that shit in the Bunga Bunga rooms. <laughs> oh, County. Yeah, and but some of the punishments were straight up punishment and participation. He even started using the live performances as a platform for discipline. But instead of using trusted plants like they had back in the old days, being raised from the dead was now a punishment. When Jones approached the offender, they were to fall to the ground as hard as they could and lay there until Jones thought they'd suffered long enough. And then Jones would call on him to rejoin the ranks of the living. So basically, you got a, you got a job as a part of the show. If you fucked up, if you did something bourgeois, he basically picks you. He then says, like, he he has to zap you in the sermon, and then you fall down dead. Okay. And then at the same time, he would, like, touch your body. There's a bunch of people standing around you kind of kicking, feeling that you're dead. You have to, like, completely still because you know that if you don't, you're going to be fucked. And yeah. You're going to be fighting Mr. Muggs in the round <laughs> oh, fucking, in the squared circle. Right, don't want and that. If, like, and so he... It's it's very interesting how, and I think this is a part of the cult mentality, and it grows and grows and grows because Jim Jones can never be off, right? He can't be off anymore. There's no off time. There's no time for just Jim. He is always the father. He's always in charge. The show is now completely moved to completely to every aspect of their lives. They never know when they're not supposed to be on yeah. when they're not right. supposed to be capital T capital P capital T the people's temple when it's like they can't just be just hanging out sure and so it blurs your reality it's like taking the clocks out of a casino where you literally just have no clue what's going on or what what are you doing it's always winning time in a casino yeah and he also like he was it yeah I mean blurring the lines between punishment and reward I think the one thing that I could not figure out whether this was a punishment or a reward or a privilege like it was like I really thought about this and I couldn't figure out which one it was he started involving congregants in his own personal stigmata. You know, for those of you who don't know, like stigmata is when, you know, a person's hands bleed, their palms bleed mm. uh, as a kind of like sympathetic magic to mimic Jesus on the cross. It's supposed to be a divinely inspired uh, process, mm. but instead of just using like food coloring and corn syrup or even just like pig's blood or something sure. like that. Jones demanded that human blood be used. And, <sighs> and instead of using his own, he'd make his congregants bleed themselves so mm. he could use their blood. They are very, very disciplined. Very and committed. he should be so lucky. We should be so lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, just use pig's blood. There's no, no, no reason. No, 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 no. What if someone tests it? Blood? What if Who's someone tests it? The testers. The testers <laughs> who come testing. No, he never allowed anybody to test anything because he went to Indianapolis, went back to Indianapolis once, and he did the cancer trick. And the Indianapolis Star uh, told us, like, hey, listen, we, uh, we'd love to test, like, we'd love to believe this is real. You're a hometown boy. Why don't you let us test the cancer? And Jim Jones said, absolutely not. Because if you test the cancer, then our enemies might fake the oh, test results. He's right. He I is see. right, Marcus. Oh, is he? He could have been right. No, I, I don't think he's right. I think that uh, they're chicken guts. I uh, Also, what I was reading about, I remember the one bit about how he started using cursing in his sermons. Mm -hmm. Did you read about that? Yeah, about how yeah, he's yeah. like, he wanted to start appearing to be more like with Edgy? it and with the times yeah. and just being like, he's like, people curse. Say fuck. And the audience would all look at each other and be like, let's start going. And then you'd start big chants of fuck, 
Did he do the Carlin bit about seven words you can't say or the seven dirty words? You know who does the same shit as Tony Robbins? Really? Tony Robbins curses like a motherfucker during his during his like his talks and shit because he's just like it's because what it allows me is to connect to my audience. He's he had a pituitary gland problem, which is why he's so big. Smart guy. Well, all this shit that Jones made people do that we were just talking about, like this is all for like relatively minor infractions. Committing actual crimes sometimes earned pure fucking torture. See, People's Temple, like a lot of cults, and like a lot of the more insular religions like the Hasidics here in Brooklyn, they prefer to take care of punishment for serious crimes in-house. They don't like to involve the police. Right. Even when the crime is something as abhorrent as pedophilia. Now, while priests and rabbis and youth pastors just tend to get shuffled around, if that, after they fuck up, People's Temple took it a step further, mm. as they did in the case of pedophile Peter Watherspoon. Okay. Uh, it's a bad All name. Right. It's a bad name. What happened seems to this? So. I don't know. This is chicken and the egg scenario with the name. <laughs> yeah, Watherspoon. Watherspoon, but he showed so what up. What happened just to being, this clown? Well, he showed up and he was just like, I just want to say... Uh, <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me at People's Temple. Uh-huh. Um, it's really been love the songs, love the dancing. Right. Um, I may have had sex with a child. But uh, what, what I will do now, I'm uh, just I'm just being upfront, okay. but I promise, pinky swear, uh, and I'll do it to any child in this room. No, don't. No, no. That I will never, ever, never uh-huh. do it again. And you could take that. My word is bond. Well, let's set up the boxing ring, shall we? <laughs> Didn't work out. No. Did didn't not work, work out, out for no. this guy. Like, oh, yeah, we'll bring him in through the power of God. He will never backslide, for if he is a part of people's temple, then he shall be cured of his pedophilic so urges. This is, but, it's so not this real. is where God was, but, but this is where they would invoke God, not socialism, to yeah, cure this, this is, man's yeah, yeah, sure. pedophilia. Yeah, yeah uh, did not work out. No uh, kidding. Uh, real fast, Peter Watherspoon molested a 10-year-old boy, uh, but instead of taking him to the police, Jack Beam took Wotherspoon to a tiny little windowless room where Wotherspoon was instructed to plop his genitals out on a table. Would you think at that point you'd be asking a lot of questions? You'd you think, think so. so. Yeah, yeah. like, so what are we doing? Is this like a show and tell, or is this just <laughs> like, a, is this just a, like a bird trying to yeah. trying to entice another mate? Um, it's more of a show and scream, <laughs> I think. <laughs> And then Jack Beam whacked Watherspoon's dick and balls with a rubber hose over and over until they were so swollen they were unrecognizable. Yikes. Yeah. Shit, please. Shit, <laughs> please. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they had to take him to the hospital. He had to use a catheter for months. How do you explain? My sympathy level is very low for no, him. No, of course. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do he understand what we're talking about. But in part is like, how do you explain to the hospital? Been like, my dick and balls fell down the stairs. <laughs> you can't just wave off my dick. Obviously, it's got a hose marks on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh I mean, the, the point is, I mean, they should have gone to the police. Yeah, of you course. Know, yeah, this, of course. This, all yeah, this, all this, yeah, you don't, you don't take care of this shit in-house. You never take care of it. Because, you know, if you look at these communities over and over again, taking care of shit in-house only ends in tears. It usually ends in the person doing the exact same shit as soon as they get better. Right. Now, as it is with all cults, there's always the question, why don't you leave? Sure. People's Temple was... Well, Marcus, <laughs> as it is with all cults, the question is, why don't they leave? Yeah, Marcus, why, why, why don't, don't they, they leave? Well, I'll tell you. Oh. See, most of the time, the answer is simple. 
These people don't have anywhere else to go. The People's uh, Temple has all your shit. Now. Oh, that's right. I mean, first of all, when <laughs> the you the answer go- is so easy. Actually. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They they have everything. Well, first of all, when most people go into a cult, their families don't want them to go, right. and so they have to tell their families like, ah, I'll see you later. They have to like tell their families, their parents to go fuck themselves. They right. have to burn a bunch of bridges. They burn all their friends' bridges, and then here's all my money. I'm going to sign the lease over mm-hmm. to my house to you. Oof. Like All of this shit's insane. Yeah, or the per- people that join don't have any t- family to tell fuck off. They don't have any property to give. So when they right. come into People's Temple, People's Temple gives them everything. And if they leave, then they have nothing again. And a lot of these people that were given jobs through People's Temple, they got that job there because their boss is a People's Temple member. So if they l- leave People's Temple, they lose their job. And these people, a lot of these people had families. Right. You know, and they've given all their shit over to People's Temple, they're tithing 25% of their paychecks. So you remember this is that what they started doing again, the fucking the old story of turning the temperature up on the frog in the water is that the tithing started at like 10% mm-hmm. and moved up to 25%. But then he started making you write the amount of money you actually make on a piece of paper. And then he would slowly uptick to squeeze what he can out of you. Slowly but surely you're giving 90% of your paycheck. And then that stuff is money that you got from them in the first place. So essentially, you're working for people's temple jobs that then pay you money, that then that money's going back into the system, where essentially everybody's... It's like, uh, it's the company dime. It's the, the same company. Thing. It's the company store. It's working for Walmart. Yeah. Right. And even if you did end up leaving... Jones made a decree that all former members had to live at least 100 miles away. And if they didn't, then Jones would send out his enforcers to intimidate you into doing so. Okay. And all this power was made possible by Jones's expansion from Redwood Valley south to California's major cities. He planted a pretty good financial foothold in Los Angeles, but he knew he could only go so far in that city. Los Angeles gave him money. Jim Jones wanted power. All right. He decided it was time to really put a stake in a city where he could insert himself into the public arena in a way he only dreamed of in Indianapolis. And he is going to Des Moines, Iowa! Pearl of Iowa. Where dreams are made of! <laughs> San Francisco! San Francisco! Uh, in San Francisco, the, the, it was built of a bunch of different, varied, wild groups. They yeah, were right. all, and, and the neighborhoods themselves would kind of run themselves. Each like right. part of San Francisco was its own little like economy. It was its own like little world that you what? can kind of manipulate. There was like rival cult gangs over there. Weren't the Moonies <laughs> over there at the time as well? well? The, Moonies, and- the Moonies were pretty well established at this point. Yes. Yeah. But really, at this time, like San Francisco was kind of a conser- surprisingly a conservative town. Uh, but now like the hippies had moved in and now it was the gays and now the blacks had started to say like, hey, we want rights too. We, we are sure because they were all pushed into this shit neighborhood and they're like listen we need influence here we actually need some change here right. uh, and Jim Jones came in at just the perfect point uh, to right. be at the forefront of that movement and this guy I mean he would accomplish shit politically that seems almost unbelievable if all you know about Jim Jones is Jonestown this guy had very real political power working with and against people that are still making headlines today people that are senators now who do we got you want to name names I get, I'm gonna, you know what man I'm gonna leave it as a surprise really I'm yeah gonna, you'll I'm, be excited okay. uh, yeah you'll you'll love it I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave the senator as a fucking senator surprise senator Bernie Sanders <laughs> <laughs> but all that that would take a lot of years and quite a bit of groundwork upon arriving Jones sought out an influential doctor named 
Carlton Goodlett, Uh-oh. who ran one of San Francisco's biggest black newspapers. Using his mother as a Trojan horse, Jones played the dutiful son. I can use that metaphor. She was a Trojan horse. It's just Ken Bone calling pregnant women human submarines. Those little human submarines. Because they were chock full of semen. Yeah, that's kind of fun. All mothers are Trojan horses because they got people in them. I see. Oh, fine. But this was a metaphorical Trojan horse. Yeah, he played, he went along to Dr. Carlton Goodlett's office and he played the dutiful son by his mother's side. Man, Mommy Mommy Jones did a really good job joining up and she's just as manipulative right. as her son yeah, and she really fucking helps quite a bit. Yeah, she's so on she board. So she was all in. She's on board for everything. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so... Was she there during all the humiliation stuff? Yes. Oh, yeah. Watching. She was just fine with it? Oh, yeah, just watching, loving it. Okay. Happy with it. Completely happy Weird. with it. Because... Just all... proud of her son. Proud that her son is finally making money. Like, uh, like our right. mothers are finally proud of us even though they still... <laughs> don't Kinda. truly understand yeah. what it is that we do. Right. All uh, Jim Jones's mother cared about was that Jim Jones was a great man. You know, all she cared about was that he had power, people were following okay. him, and the ends justified the means in every way whatsoever because the bigger Jim Jones got, the better she felt about her own life. Okay. Because it boosted her ego. Sure. So... As Jim Jones was taking his mother to all these doctor visits, he started talking to the doctor himself and started putting in these little hints like, yeah, I'm a pastor. Yeah, I do this socialist church. Yeah, we have a big black membership. Like during a proctologist exam? <laughs> like what is, is the doctor like mommy's getting her boobies in- splashed by the mammograms. How does that work? It's like a squeezing machine where it goes like, I don't And they're just sitting there just talking over his mom's nude body. All right. Well, after they had a few conversations, this Carlton Goodluck guy was like, Fuck yeah. I like the cut of your jib. Come on in. Like, let's let's get you into San Francisco. Let me ask you something, Goodlett. Do you douche? I mean, your butthole. <laughs> Do and, you think Jim Jones was ever surprised that all this stuff worked? Yes. Where he was just like, I got another one. Very, very much so. Okay. Like, he would sometimes, like, at time, like, after he accomplished something, like, particularly big, like, people that were with him would, like, look over at him and he'd just be like, Jesus Christ. God, okay. Do you fuck, get the feeling he wanted wow. to, did, did he ever want it to stop? No. Uh, no, because I, at some point he would be like, I, I hope this one doesn't work because I don't want to expand anymore. It would have to stop completely against his will. But the problem is, is that it's again, it's the other side is that what the difference between a normal human being and a cult leader is that a cult leader views all this as validation. Right, right Eventually right. you'd start saying like, oh, maybe all of the bullshit I'm saying that I know is bullshit, maybe it's not. Maybe it's coming out of me and I'm well, actually channeling God. Is it, is it sort of the double-edged sword where it's like, well, they must be right. If they believe in me, they've got to have something. Yeah, gotta- Stephen Jones said this exact same thing. He was quoted in Road to Jonestown saying something like this. He said the most important thing in Jim Jones's life was how other people thought of him. He based his entire personality on what other people thought of him. And what Stephen Jones says is like, if you've got a thousand people telling you you're the cat's meow, then you're going to believe it. Because it's... Meow. Meow. So it was a feedback loop. Sure. So the more they told him that he was fantastic, the more fantastic he thought he was, the more powerful he thought he was, and the more they believed him. So it was this huge feedback loop uh, that was just snowballing. And then it's like that mixed my metaphors. It's like James Wood's Twitter account. <laughs> yes. He's amazing. Yes. He's such a lunatic. Well, now that Jim Jones had some local cred in San Francisco, he started insinuating himself into black churches giving guest sermons. And before the churches knew what hit him, 
Jones had bought an 1,800-seat venue and was Mm. slowly siphoning off members. Because at this point, when Jim Jones moved to San Francisco, the uh, congregation was, you know, like the white people in Mendocino County and Ukiah. And then when he gets to San Francisco and Los Angeles, it starts going back up towards uh, a majority black congregation. Mm. And with that, People's Temple was franchised. Three locations up and down California. Yeah, and sometimes they have filet of fish (laughs) And it's important to franchise. This is where you make your money. They're Uh, not in the the church business. They're in the real estate business. Your love of Ray Kroc is problematic. Admiration. It is It makes me question why I started a business with you. A horrible person. uh, I'm going to take us to the top, or if not, I'm going to kill all of us. (laughs) One billion served. Uh, As we know with cult leaders, if you don't up the ante people drift you gotta constantly be bonding with your followers and there's no better way to do that than with the shared hatred of and fear from an enemy huh. and it was even better if the enemy was faced yeah that would be totally scary if he was just a bone face <laughs> yeah like <laughs> and what better way to create another boogeyman than with yet another fake but this time public assassination attempt Ooh. Now, even though San Fran and L.A. were becoming more established, the main base of People's Temple was still down in Redwood Valley. It was also isolated enough where any suspicious activities wouldn't draw the immediate attention of the police. One afternoon, right before service was about to begin, as a couple hundred people were outside doing culty activities, Jones was walking through the just parking lot. Just in unison, just folding things, <laughs> making suits, just, just like, that's all it is. Playing cornhole for some reason. I would see the People's Temple playing a lot of cornhole. I could see, see that's a pretty low-impact game, are a they, socialist game. Are they allowed to drink alcohol? No. no. Oh, they're not? Absolutely oh, okay. not. No, that is a huge role. Like, that's something you're going to get 25, 50 spankings for. Well, if you're drunk, yeah. Well, I'm saying it's once you get a couple in here, the spanking's on better and better. Flip it. <laughs> well, they're having like kind of a little fest. The band's playing. Everything's going great for People's Temple. They're at a very happy moment. They're at a perfect moment to be broken. They're simmering. Yeah, you want people to be happy when the bad shit happens. Sure. Because when the people are happy and the bad shit happens, it really fucks with them. Sure. So Jones is walking across the parking lot. Shot rings out. Jones clutches his chest and suddenly blood is all over his shirt. Uh And so Marceline and Jack Beam, like they go up and they they grab Jim Jones and they kind of prop him up. And the dog, Steven's dog, goes running off in the direction of the shot. But Jim Jones points everyone in a different direction. Saying huh. they went that way, go that way. They Don't did follow the dog. Yeah, <laughs> they went that way, and so the people went and ran in that direction, and Jim Jones was carried inside. About thirty minutes goes by. Everyone's wailing outside. They're thinking they, he's gonna die. They're Uh-oh. thinking he's dead. They're thinking he's already dead. Okay. They're wailing. They're thinking everything's over, and then miraculously, Jim Jones walks out of the front door. Totally and completely fine. Ooh. Yeah, like again, like James Brown with the cape. When he <laughs> yes. falls down, he seems like he's gonna. He's all sick, and then he sits up. He starts dancing. Also, a Ronald Reagan little technique there. Oh. Survive the gunshot wound. Yeah, Jack Beam comes out. Marceline comes out. A nurse comes out, and they all say he had a fatal wound. The nurse says the huh? wound was deep enough for me to stick my finger down in. Well, that doesn't seem very safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why are you doing that? <laughs> don't, don't hurt him like that. It's okay. ridiculous. So four finger bullet wound right there. It is a Bill Clinton long gun wound. And Jim Jones said, fear not my people. 
for I have healed myself. Oh. What I love is this whole thing, too, where he's like, they were like, but I don't understand the dog. <laughs> seemed to go after one yeah. group of people, but you pointed the other way, and he said, I did it on purpose to throw you off because I wanted to show mercy to the assassin. And they're all right. like, oh, <laughs> it okay. Also- <laughs> so shouldn't we have probably caught that guy to keep him from taking another shot? The uh, problem is you're thinking about it, and what's the first <laughs> rule? I got to tell you is no. you got to stop thinking about it. That's right. It also <laughs> seems like you could segue this into a Flex Seal commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. The flex seal, is that the one where they saw the boat in half? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. It's an incredible commercial. Yeah. And to further drive the point home about this supposed miracle, the shirt Jones was wearing became a temporary relic for the church. They built this big display, oh glass display case because it was like a yellow shirt okay. and it was splattered in blood. So and you know he looks super it, cool. He picked it on purpose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. He's like, ooh, yellow. Yeah. That's really going to show the red. And then it comes kind of becomes an orange. And <laughs> Right. Orange is a fun color. It's like fire. <laughs> yeah, they had to make it pop. So it's like a shroud of Turin. Like but a shroud for, of Turin. Jim Jones. But then Jones started hearing a rumor that the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office uh-huh. had heard about an assassination attempt that a man had been shot. Right, because there are there is still a real world out yeah, there, this right? This is a tiny this is a tiny community. Yeah, it's too. Like okay. fifteen thousand people in this community were got Good out. Lord. And then when Jim Jones heard the rumor that the cops were gonna come out and ask him a couple of questions, that shirt went into storage real fast. Fucking fast. Convenient. But the whole point of this thing was to show the people that their enemies were real, their enemies were everywhere, and that no place, not even their home base, was safe. Well, especially their home base. That's where he chose it. He chose it on purpose. Because also remember, he's been spending a long time on the road. He went to LA, he went to San Francisco, he's popping in and out and seeing people, but he's not he doesn't have the same day-to-day effect at Ukiah that he used to. Mm -hmm. So now when he shows up, it's especially like father's home. Everyone's like really, really excited to see him to get some one-on-one time with him. So it happening here in the heart was very symbolic and very smart Mm -hmm. of Jim Jones. Yeah. And that is when Jim Jones's private security team grew even larger and scarier. The men who surrounded Jones now wore uniforms. They had button-up shirts, ties, and berets. They were all trained with guns. They were usually armed, and they all looked mean as fuck. All right. And this had worked on two levels. Can we get Travis in a uniform? <laughs> Can we get him a little beret or and one a little employee? Suit? You yeah. want to militarize him? I think we got two be... employees now. We got Travis and Mary. I think so you want to militarize Travis and Mary. I feel like it would help their confidence <laughs> if we gave them uniforms and we gave them guns, guns. and badges, right? <laughs> Actually, it would help everyone's confidence. That is the point of a if gun. If we had jackets with stars on them, and they had suits and berets and guns, we'd look pretty good. Yeah. I will allow it, but we have to sing every time we talk. I love it. Oh, hello, Ben. You are my friend. I love to see you again. That is fun. Do it. No, I can't. This whole thing worked on two levels. One, it made Jim Jones intimidating to outsiders. No kidding. Yeah, I mean, outsiders saw this guy's like, oh, Oh, this guy's a big deal. Yeah, this guy's a big deal. And it also made him intimidating to people on the inside. Like, oh, that guy has a small army. Like, that guy has dudes with guns. That And so threats are no longer existential. Threats are no longer supernatural. Threats are are now very real. Well, also, planning commissions changed quite a bit. Because mm-hmm. you're sitting there, these meetings that used to be pretty informal, but a kind of a group setting are now. He's standing there with a group of armed 
he's got his fucking whole entourage right. of people with guns, super scary looking. He's just laying on a couch drinking soda while everyone else has to stand or sit on the floor, not allowed to go to the bathroom. It's pretty intense. Yeah. So we can see the escalation here. Huh? We have. Yeah. Oh no, oh, this uh, is a big jump. Yeah. yeah. This is right. Yeah. yeah it seems uh, like it. And the feedback loop works even more because Jim Jones, he has this. It, the assassination attempts have all been fake, but because he's making his people paranoid, they're feeding back and making him paranoid as well to the point where he actually gets a body double. But the body <laughs> double, like, eventually, like, start questions like, hey, uh, if you can, like, heal yourself, like, whenever, why do I got to be here? <laughs> like, oh my God. I just, um... The prosthetics are, are fine. They're itchy. Um, you have a 20-pound head, Mr. Jones. I mean, Father. Um, I love the suits, and the sunglasses are difficult to see through. I honestly don't particularly understand how you get around just on the day-to-day. Yeah. Be the just body. take a bullet for me, Brian. How the hell do you be a body double? Can you imagine that life? That's so crazy. Honestly, so weird. Greatest- I- I my body double on uh, A to Z was a lovely man. Yeah, and he did very good. He that's what his job was is that he was a double. Yeah, but they weren't gonna shoot you on A to Z. You never well, got if, to S. Tends if we had uh, if it had come down to that. <laughs> I imagine at some point, and there is some stipulation in a Warner Brothers contract somewhere that a stand-in for you is also required to die for you. Oh. And sometimes I would feed him my food to see if he died. <laughs> Greatest body double, the one in Veep. Oh, the one yeah. that uh, uh, Julia Lewis-Dreyfus' daughter is married to. She That's such a funny storyline. I love it. But still, after all this stuff, or possibly because of this stuff, people believed. Right. And word was getting around San Francisco that a new charismatic raised the dead, healed the sick preacher, had showed up in town and was rapidly gaining followers. And that is when a reporter for the San Francisco Examiner named Lester King-Talving figured there might be a story in this Jim Jones fella. Mm-hmm. By the time Lester was finished investigating, he had a story big enough to spread over an eight-day series. All right. Thing is, though, even though Jones freaked out at first, the stories that were actually substantiated weren't really all that bad because he hinted at Jim Jones kind of being a scam, mm-hmm. but he never came right out and said it. The whole thing was pretty fucking tame. Also, nope. really? that was the least, technically the least bad thing within the People's Temple at this point was the healings being fake. Yeah, right, It was right, the right. serial abuses and spankings and the boxing and then the dick mauling. Mm-hmm. That was the <laughs> shit that you can't get to because you didn't know it was happening. Yeah, I like but- that. Darth Maul's father, Dick Maul. <laughs> very, very little Richard notes. All they all call me dick. <laughs> well, all that stuff was backloaded. You know, right. they they backloaded so all of that shit. So he was going to release that stuff later on. That was all just the okay. stupidest shit. You never do that. They buried the lead here, yeah. He buried the lead. All that shit was going to come out in the end. So in it seemed like the first four days, like, they didn't need to be an eight-day series. Like, the right. first four days, like, it was kind of tame stuff. But by day four, uh, Jim Jones had made quite a big stink. And he's got this Tim Stone on his side. You know? The so lawyer. Yeah, he's got the lawyer on his side. So the San Francisco Examiner, they decided, like, by about, like, on day four, they're like, listen, we're not going to do five, six, seven, and eight. Uh, and that's where the harassment, the threats, the punishment, mostly from Whitey Firestone, that's oh. where it all came. That's where it all came from. That's where it all was, but it was all unsubstantiated. This is the saddest thing, too, is that Whitey Firestone was such bad luck all the time that he couldn't <laughs> even get this article done. Oh. Like, I mean, it's, honestly, you put it in uh, the article number seven. Uh, yeah. 
that's not good. <laughs> I got my feet stuck in a chair. Honestly, I don't even know how I did it. I, I don't even know how I did it. Uh, it does seem difficult to do. A bird stole my sandwich this morning. And then um, I, I, I got locked inside of a refrigerator. Oh, I don't know my. how that happened. Oh. I thought they fixed that so you could get out of it. But Well, I guess I'll just go back to working at the nuclear power plant. Bye, Whitey. So Whitey was the source here. Whitey was one oh, of the sources. There okay. were a few sources. But yeah, Whitey, Whitey was one of them. Uh, but the amazing thing about the kin-solving articles was that it was actually great PR for People's Temple. Mm. When people read about Jones's supposed healing powers, they didn't think, oh my God, look at this bullshit. They thought they'd found salvation. Think about the articles on Ugh. Facebook that say like, you know, like all you have to do is read Whatever. the three words in the, hi- in the headline and you just see healing powers. You don't read unsubstantiated. You don't read right. this stuff. You just see, because like, you're so desperate. Well, you're like, oh fuck, that's where I'm going to go to get rid of my cancer. I would never fall for anything dumb like that. Anyway, I've got to go take my tactical bath. <laughs> I bought it on info. Oh, Wars. I love uh, my tactical, tactical bath. bath yeah. It keeps it's bullet. It makes you bulletproof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that. <laughs> yeah, after Ken solving, Temple membership only increased. This wow. guy helped Jim Jones quite a bit. God. Very smart. Yeah, and it also bound Jim Jones's followers even closer because there was another enemy to fight. Fake news. Uh Oh, no. It's always been there. (laughs) If there was only an award show. If only. Now, the threats to their beliefs, they were coming from the outside. And it was no longer vague. It wasn't faceless. They were now in print, tangible. Like, he had something to point at. Say, like, see? Look, they don't want me to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish. They don't want to let us accomplish the things that we want to accomplish. Right. That's fake news. They even got a few people from the media on their side as well. There was this one local TV reporter. His name was Michael Prokes. He read the Ken Solving articles, and he traveled down to Redwood Valley. He figured, like, ah, maybe there's, like, a further story in this because he read it, and he was skeptical. He's like, ah, oh, this sounds kind of weird. Let's go check it out. But... Before long, fucking Prokes was the press secretary. God, again, you hire him. Yeah. All you got to do is hire him. Right. I will also put this on the magnetism of the group of people at the People's Temple. Mm -hmm. The people there seemed like they were so sweet and genuine and nice. They would. This is to me the saddest part about this story is that Om Shinrikyo, they became like brain dead fucking servers Militant. of cobra you know what I mean like yeah. like yeah. really really intense and same in children of god it was right. molesters and and the molested but this is like good people yeah they were a fun crowd mm-hmm. and then uh, all of a sudden they were just being used terribly yeah okay now even though jones was able to deflect bad press from the outside he had his own little rebellion brewing within in 1973, Jones was faced with the Gang of Eight, Uh-oh. which is where we'll pick back up next time on part four of Jonestown. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, we are really getting through it. I got to say check, please. Check, I just please. can't get out. Just get out of it. Don't, so, don't. Try not to join a cult. Try so, not to join a cult, please. So from Indiana to L.A., now he's in San Francisco. Indiana to Redwood Valley to L.A. to San Francisco. So he's gone to, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Whew. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand. It's, it seems like a slow burn, slow it's, process it's to slow becoming uh, what the. Hor- I, I I still try to remember how uh, how horrible this all ends. I just it I I understand. It, it's we want to get out of the bullshit, right? You kind of like the concept is like everybody doesn't care about anybody else, and the, the world's in constant strife. We're in the middle of this right now. It seems Everyone. like in 2018, it's like such a prime spot for cults. Yeah. I imagine there's got to be shit popping up that we even hear about that we will hear out about eventually, which I'm kind of excited for. 
I shouldn't be. <laughs> Who knows? But a part of it's like, I, it, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. So what do we have to do now? Should we thank people for Patreon? Thank you very much for giving our Patreon. Uh, if you guys feel like we deserve a little something extra, just go to patreon.com slash slash podcast on the left. We appreciate every each and every single one of you. Yep. I want to thank everyone. I, I ran into a bunch of fans yesterday at the 25th anniversary of Raw. Yeah, nice. And it was so fun. So that very was cool. exciting to Hell see yeah. everyone. Uh, I want to make a tiny correction. I was corrected. I said last week that the Scientology drug rehab program was Al-Anon and it's not. It's Narconon. Narconon. I fucked up. Uh, up. Al-Anon is actually a nice organization. Well, it's fine. It's it's from Alcoholics Anonymous, depending on if you like it or not. There's mm-hmm. some people that don't. And I don't, I don't care. Oh, Whatever right. you got to do. There it is. Corrections have been made. I did it. So uh, follow us on Twitter at Henry Loves You at Marcus Parks at Ben Kissel. Follow us on Instagram at Dr. Fantasty and Marcus Parks at Ben Kissel, the number one. And follow us on the horseshit at LP on the left. All right. And make sure you listen to all the shows here on the last podcast network. Able can stop at for everything uh, political, uh, roundtable. we got a couple episodes, new episodes coming out. Page seven. You know where. Just go to the website and peruse. And uh, we got some new shows coming out. I think you'll enjoy them. Dear it. Hail sight. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Gein. Hail me. Magustalations. Hell love. It is real. Congratulations on your engagement. It is Are you going to get married before Holden does? I, can, I don't know if I can kill him like that. I don't know if I could go ahead and, 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 <laughs> and pull a sweeps week on him like that. I think you could. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay.